Now the heroic Autobots have created the Dinobots. Slag, Sludge, Snarl, Grimlock, a brave prehistoric breed. Evil Decepticons! Dinobots, Transformers! Somehow the Dinobots must stop the evil Decepticons. They must save Earth. Transformers! Robots in disguise from Hasbro. Great Scott, and welcome to the Triple Takeover Toycast a fortnightly podcast dedicated to the Transformers as well as other toy lines from the past. I assure you, we will be doing a mask episode. As always, I'm joined by a writer, photographer, and a man with more toy trains than the Fat Controller. It's TF Square One, also known as Maz. I am not being the Fat Controller for you. I'm just oh, telling yes. you that right now. <laughs> you put that top hat on. That's amazing. <laughs> and it wouldn't be the same <laughs> if we weren't blessed with the company of YouTuber, writer, photographer, and all-round final boss of social media, it's six o. I'm still railing from fat control. <laughs> I got off lightly. We don't have to fit the the meme stereotype of three people <laughs> doing a podcast to the letter, guys. We don't have to all fit into the caricatures that they've painted us into. Oh, contraire! Yeah, people are now picturing you with a little train set in your loft. You know, just JRX well, that's is just going around. That's that's fair enough. Yeah, you that's saying that's enough. not how it is? Well, did you see the photos on social media of uh, Rick Lords having his um, Transformers Tyco train set with oh. JRX dotted around it? Mate, that looked like the time of my life right there. I need that mat. I now that, need that, that, that mat. That was amazing. Really amazing. Today's episode, don't take money. It don't take fame. It don't need no credit card to ride this Astro train, but it might just save your life. That's the power of episode 13. So join us as we hop into the DeLorean and floor it to 88 miles an hour and go back in time to 1985. Very nice. Lovely. Very nice. He's up to it again, isn't he? I try. I was worried coming in tonight because I was like, oh man, I haven't got anything. And then a few minutes later, it was like, oh, there we go. Now, hang on a minute. Mr. Host, who are yeah. you and which different professional or tradesman calls you something this week? Like, I'm, I've been <gasps> sitting here waiting oh, for this. Oh my God. I totally forgot to do it, didn't I? Yeah, what does what does Eucoropodus call you? <laughs> I can't even remember who it was this week. Oh, hang on, let me check. Who who did I have? Is it a spreadsheet? Do you have a spreadsheet for all the people that you uh, <laughs> that, that call you Liam? Your greengrocer? No, I think it was my PE teacher. I think that's what I was going to go with. <laughs> why, why are you still seeing your PE teacher? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it drives past every now and again. <laughs> And this week, we've actually got our very first sponsor, haven't we, guys? It's TF Source. Yeah, so, yeah, a bit of, a, bit of an update for the old uh, podcast, because moving forward, we, are, we have taken on a sponsor, uh, which we felt was quite a, well, an important and possibly necessary thing to do in order for us to keep going. I think it's an important thing to, to mention that, you know, this is something we do in, you know, in extra time for us outside of our normal responsibilities. And while we do have an absolute blast doing it, um, we do want to make it as as good as it can be. And also, as we introduced Patreon uh, at the last episode, we also want to be able to actually provide as much content as we can. So having having the support of a sponsor, having any support for a project like this is really important to its long-term survival, improvement, evolution. And uh, actually, I think TF Source are a terrific sponsor for us to have. You know, both 6.0 and I uh, have and do still write articles for tf source and it's always been the kind of sponsor that have just at least in my case they've always said to me write what you want as long as you're enthusiastic just bring the content that you want do it your way say what you want photograph it the way you want and just um 
we want content. So they've always been supportive of like photographic, written, video content. It makes total sense for them to also have like to support a podcast like this. Yeah, I wholeheartedly second that. I mean, one thing I've loved about working with TS Source is that at no point, genuinely at no point, have they ever any, put any kind of stipulation on any of the work that I've done for them. They've never said that they want me to say a particular thing. They've never said that I have to be, you know, have any kind of opinion or express any kind of opinion about a particular toy or anything like that. And that's um, that's really good, you know, because ultimately you want to write from the heart. You want to be honest about what you're saying. And, uh, you know, I think the fact that they're just happy to support content like this and all of the other stuff that we do being made is fabulous. So, yeah, it's definitely a good fit for us. Yeah, and I don't think anyone else would ever have actually uh, supported me in writing a full article about differences in copyright stampings on Diaclone Mirages. Not really sure everyone would have been on board with that. But, you know, I, I felt it was important to have that out there and they supported it. So, you know, please, guys, do check out tfsource.com. Because they don't just, you know, stock uh, masterpiece, third party generations, current figures. There's also vintage figures, and that's not just G1. It's everything from Beast Wars to Unicron trilogy, Takara versions as well. You know, this stuff sells out fast as well on their website. So make sure you check it out. And one thing we we actually decided to do with the sponsor segments was to keep it as triple takeover as possible. So instead of just making it about go to the website, buy this, look at that. What we're going to kind of do is we're going to do it in our style. So we'll we'll look at the website every episode and we'll pick maybe one or two items that have just come into stock and we'll apply the triple takeover filter to it. And uh, hopefully you'll find that as entertaining as we will. Does that does that mean we're going to call it what six o buying this week? Is that what the segment's going to be? What? No, I think that's just the website in general. <laughs> so. Very good, Liam. Very good. I'm sure there'll be uh, something to say about Old Kingdom Galvatron and, and whatever other uh, children's toys you're buying along the way as well. <laughs> hey, look, that's not a children's toy. I almost lost a thumb. Almost lost a thumb, damn it. I'm only kidding. Of course I am. But... Uh, yeah, no, there'll, be, there'll be plenty to say. There are a couple of items, actually, that they've, uh, that they've got coming up in stock that I've got my arm. But yeah, more on that later, of course. Okay, so Maz, what have you been buying this week? And how much car robots is it? Uh, I've virtually bought all of car robots. <laughs> but, uh, it, I really wish it was that way, actually, but it, it has been like um, two to three big figures per month. So there's still like loads of stuff I'm looking at, like Build King and, you know, I don't even have the Megatron in hand or anything like that. I'm just like, that's next month. And so it's it's an ongoing thing. But yeah, it's definitely a lot more uh, trains and spy changes around here than there was a month ago. That's no bad thing. Trains and spy no. changes are pretty awesome. No complaints. Yeah, how, indeed. How, how incredible has it been for you to sort of discover that line then, some of those toys for the first time? Not to spoil the upcoming episode on it, but I'm having the time of my life. I'm not even kidding. Ooh, you're getting a bit dirty dancing, are we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I have often described you as the Swayze of the podcast, so, you know. Oh, oh I'll take that over <laughs> Fat Controller. <laughs> So, but there has, there's been some tragedy as well, hasn't there? I, I didn't want to bring it up, but I feel like we've got to talk about it. The, the... Well, yes, um, Godfire Convoy's head. Mm. Yeah, and that was a wonderful experience, putting that all together, following the instructions, just had them all out, I was taking photos at every step. Last thing you need to do is flip out the massive Omega Prime Godfire Convoy head. And it got a little jammed, and I just thought, okay, we'll just need to press it a bit more. Maybe it's just like uh, Optimus Prime, you know, G1 Optimus Prime's head on the flipping head plate that just... Um, Sometimes it gets a bit tight, but uh, it just snapped clean off because the, the rotating 
hinges just didn't have clearance to to turn that last bit and I didn't know about it so it's it's 50% on the toy 50% on me but um have to give huge thanks to Hellscream on Twitter who just basically offered up an RID head plate and said you can just have this and uh, he's going to send it to me and hope and he showed me how to disassemble it as well so I should have a fully functional non-faulty Godfire convoy again within a couple of weeks max that's, that's really cool. cool of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's this community in a nutshell. Yeah. I would agree with that 100%. That's lovely. So, guys, 1985, we were all very little at this age. I don't remember it. Sixo doesn't remember it. I don't nope. think you remember it, do you, Maz? Uh, just the end of 1985, where I, when I got my G1 Starscream, my first toy. Like I said in the 1984 episode, I think that's my pretty much my earliest memory of Transformers. And that must have been 1985. So, yeah, it's it's the second year of the toy line as well, isn't it? So we've already covered 84 in a previous episode. But 85 is where it actually gets really big, isn't it? Everything sort of mm-hmm. just giant sizes from here. Yeah, I mean, and of course in Japan, it was the first year of the toy line. So they, they launched Series 1 and Series 2 together in yeah. Japan in 1985, Takara. And obviously there was you know, other stuff going on in Europe as well. Uh, Milton Bradley were releasing... G1 Transformers in, in their boxes, you know, what they could because some of it was licensed to Seiji Justra Diaclone. So they weren't allowed to do some figures until they bought that license and then they started putting them into their packaging and so on and so forth. But yeah, it's really, it's kickoff time basically. Yeah, I think what's kind of interesting about 85 for me is that by this point, isn't it, but just become such a roaring success that actually they were kind of, if anything, struggling to to kind of keep up with the level of product that was required for shelves and things like that so uh hence why 85 itself in terms of a toy line is just such an interesting year and that's like a theme of the whole thing isn't it is them struggling to keep up and just ever expanding with the, with this 85 and yeah it's interesting you mentioned uh the japanese G- g1 as well with it they did put in both years of the toy line i'm right aren't i it is 84 and 85 were released in 85 in japan right yeah so you know, with their numbering system, they started with 01, 02, 03. So 01 is That's convoy. That's where I get it from. <laughs> Not that again. Call, oh, call back to episode 12. <laughs> yeah. uh, so 01 is convoy, Optimus Prime. And then like uh, 05 is alert, which is red alert. So they weren't even like numbering them based on here are the first series guys and here are yeah. the second series guys. It was just, you know, straight up like that. And uh, and of course in Japan, you know, it was a little bit different. Like that early literature from Takara had a, a few very interesting differences to the Hasbro literature. For example, like White Astro Train was shown initially as an Autobot, so that was first advertised by Takara literature as being on the good guys. But then obviously, you know, Hasbro did Astro Train as a Decepticon in very specific colors that were not TV, and then Takara released it in white, you know, with the NASA livery. And then they updated that to the Hasbro livery. But yeah, so it, it was a um, fascinating time. I can't imagine how fascinating it must have been as someone maybe just in the late teens or 20s who maybe was into this toy line and buying them off shelves in 85. And if they just traveled remotely with this kind of hobby, what they would have found in other parts of the world if they were yeah. paying attention. I think that, again, though, that comes back to that theme of of them not doing it on the fly so much, although actually it does feel a little bit like that because there you can see, I mean, there are so many pictures of prototypes and things that still exist on those boxes at this point. You know, I'm talking like red-headed perceptors and, uh, you know, differently like the blue swoop and all of that kind of stuff. There are so many um, indications that they were kind of 
doing it as fast as they could to just kind of get products out and things like that. But still doing it, you know, it's still great. Don't get me wrong. It's still really good. But they were literally striking licensing deals uh, as fast as they could get stuff on the shelves. Uh, and I think you can can really kind of see that. Hence, there are so many, as you said, so many kind of little variants, little curios about how it all kind of came to be. Uh, you know, even stuff like the Astro Train kind of feels like it was something that, like now you would have Hasbro and Takara making these joint decisions, you know, both putting out the same deco, certainly these days anyway, until recently, you know, there may have been changes, but it, it's a lot more joined up. But then it just felt like, oh, you've done that? We did this. Oh, God, what do we do now? I and mean, it's really kind of, I don't know. I'm assuming, obviously, no email communication and all of that back then as well. It must have been, I guess, a little bit haphazard in its way. I don't know. I don't think there's any year of G1 that demonstrates more regional variations than 1985. It right. is by far, I think, right up there with, I mean, Canada was different to the US. The UK was different to mainland Europe. Japan was different to anything else in Asia. So in 1985, it was a wild scene. You know, It was the Wild West in terms of what you'd get with G1 Transformers, depending on where you were buying them. But this is mostly, this is near the end of that though, isn't it? It's sort of, from after here where things start to solidify a lot, isn't it? Like uh, Italy was peddling a lot of the Diaclone toys, wasn't it, under different branding for the first few years? And then didn't they all uh, start Not just to- Italy. Yeah, I mean, even countries like France and Germany and Netherlands, Belgium, uh, and even some Scandinavian countries, they would have had Justra Diaclone product on the shelf at the same time as G1 Transformers, especially late 1984, very early 1985. Uh, Italy had... The Transformer branding by uh, by Gig or Gigi, I think is yeah. how you uh, pronounce it. And yeah, they. I was going to so ask they, you how you pronounce that. <laughs> I, I think it's like G E G, like actually reading the letters out. But I'm happy yeah. to be corrected by that by anyone who who grew up with it and, and can tell me concretely. But I yeah, they had was, toys. Yeah, I always thought it was Jig. I don't know why. It might be because of the old um, the old toy line Jig. Or, or the old uh, manufacturer jig. It might have something to do with what the naming was there, but again, like open to being educated on that. Uh, but yeah, they, they had bopper safety missiles, so they weren't neutering the missiles the way the UK, Hasbro were doing for the UK and the US, but in order to you know keep the toys safe, they had these massive like rubber boppers on the end of the rockets that were being inserted into toys. And they would have had um, pre-transformers on the shelves as well at that time. Like uh, Powered Convoy, the Diaclone Ultra Magnus, that would have been on sale in Italy at that time. And, and even oh, in, in France and Germany, that would have been on sale under Diaclone. And even in Japan, you know, they still had Diaclone coming out in 1985. And actually, I think it's the 1985 Diaclones in Japan, which are the hardest to find, because at that point, they would have had Transformers on shelves, big, like people in Optimus Prime costumes and Megatron costumes in toy stores, totally brainwashing kids and them not seeing Diaclone anymore. I think... Um, that's a big thing in a number of countries that had pre-Transformers too. I guess it's it's also fascinating to think that all of this is pre-movie though, isn't it? Because it's, right. you know, it's it's there's been no big screen adaptation of the Transformers at all at this point. I mean, we we talked in a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of episodes ago about how weird it is now to think of Transformers pre the 2007 film and what an impact that made. But actually, if anything, you're in like a real kind of, um, eye of the storm at this point in 85 aren't you because everything's got onto the shelves it's become big but still the biggest is yet to come with 86 and uh, yeah just really fascinating year 
And if you think about the US, um, have you, any of you ever seen those newspaper clippings from 1984 where they talk about how there was this Christmas rush for 1984 for parents to get Transformers for kids and like loads of places were just out of stock, couldn't find an Optimus Prime. And of course, in 1985, virtually all of the season one toys were re-released. Uh, they were in assortments again for 1985, obviously with added rub signs and, and slight differences. So I think a lot of people would have received their first Transformers maybe in 1985, even the ones that they wanted from 1984. Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, they were definitely more prevalent at this point, aren't they? Because this, mm-hmm. this really is the moment when Hasbro really starts shoveling it all out, don't they? They right. are desperate at this point to capitalise on its success. I think so. Yeah, whereas the year before, they'd possibly been caught a little bit unaware with how popular it was going to be. I think so. I think that's the case, yeah. And of course, like many countries wouldn't have had Transformers in 1984. No. Well, there's a lot of continuity between the two years as well, isn't there? Arguably more than, I guess, any other year, really, in mm-hmm. Generation 1, to some degree anyway. And, and obviously a lot of that is the nature of the, the a lot of the toys being still hand-me-downs from Diaclone. Um, but, you know, even stuff like Skids and all of that, which, you know, we're going to get to, there was a lot of kind of crossover between the two years in many regards, wasn't there? And I think that, again, is this sense of, get it out, get it out, get it on shelves, you know, and it's all just kind of them rushing to get as much product out as possible. I think uh, it's, yeah. So, yeah, and so the, funny. the best variants, the best variants come from that rushing. So yeah. you, you know, you've got the red slag in Canada, yeah, which looks like the, the slag on the box. And I think those, um, those early Dinobots had still got the 1984 mural on the back of the mm. box. They hadn't been updated to the 1985 mural. So you'll find like uh, the red slag is in that box. And, you know, um, the very fact that you got Transformers in Europe being released in Milton Bradley boxes because Hasbro had to use Milton Bradley facilities to get toys out in that region because they hadn't established themselves to the point where they could mass release stuff as Hasbro Europe like they did in 1986. So you get them buying stock from Seiji Justra that was licensed from Takara as Diaclone, stuff like Red Tracks. And that red tracks in its styro just went straight into a Transformers tracks box. And it's like, doesn't matter. It's tracks. Get it out. Yeah, exactly. And Sun, you know, Sunstreaker goes into a sideswipe box. It's like, doesn't matter. It's a Lambo. <laughs> get it out. So the best variants come from this kind of thing. That's the thing. And, it, and it's just the fact that this stuff is across the board for that year as well. These little mistakes, really, you know, that then equal something utterly fascinating 30, 40 years later, uh, you know, becomes like a real... Uh, a real want for collectors. If anything, it reminds me back to what we were saying when we were talking about packaging, you know, and we were talking about what what toys would you keep sealed now, you know, if you were going to pick something up. And I think at the time we talked about stuff like um, Studio Series Hot Rod, you know, and saying, actually, you, you really can't put any money on stuff like that becoming worth anything in the future because it's the obvious popular stuff. Whereas actually, you know, if if now you knew that they were putting stuff like if they were putting, I don't know, a Studio Series cup in a Studio Series hot rub box and that was like a mistake, but there were a couple out there, then that would almost be the one to kind of look out for, if anything, although not not to the same degree. But it's, it's I don't know, it's just funny how that stuff happened at the time. I, I still think people really cared about the red tracks, not just because it was a different color. It was, it was because it was red on the back of the box mm. in the 1985 art. That's why I think you get a group of Transformers enthusiasts who care about it rather than just Diaclone enthusiasts who care about it or variant enthusiasts. It's like it has some sort of significance. Same as Blue Blue Street. The, the reason people really love that is because that's what was on the box. 
because I, I definitely don't see as much um you know passion for other diaclone colors that didn't have any significance in transformers they're just oddities to people yeah. The red, the red tracks I remember being fascinated by as a kid, even as a kid, that was like, what is that? You know, it's just all, a lot of that back of box stuff, uh, you know, was just endlessly fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. It always made uh, the world of the Transformers seem so different to the cartoon and the comics as well, because you had those color differences and the way they looked like the toys. It always just felt like a, you were looking at something different, like a, a mm-hmm. different angle of fiction almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seemed more serious in a way i don't know like the cartoons seem very cartoony to a yeah. large degree even as a kid but the, the those back of box battles made it seem like this was a series with gravitas i don't know it felt like very uh, very alien and very cool and weird and just i don't know there was something about it something really about very it. populated as well yeah yeah even though it was like five hot rods in one picture or whatever. But, <laughs> oh, in 1986, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's the next year, but it's, that's the ultimate one that always stands out to me. But even in 85, you know, you've got like three Grimlocks, I think, on that picture. I forget. Yeah. Uh, I'd need to recount, you know, I can't remember offhand. I think it's right. four. Is it four? Might I think be four. There's, there's one bit. I mean, it depends if you count. Obviously, there's one bit where he's transforming and he's been oh, yeah. multiple times, but he definitely crops up. He's in the background transforming. He's in the foreground. I think he's in the back right from memory i'd need to look at it again um but you know kind of shooting someone i think he's flying with some of the dinobots as well in robot mode um so yeah he's doing multiple things that guy is really like you know doing the heavy lifting in that picture but you're but i don't know i guess it was just a different interpretation wasn't it of the fiction uh and that maybe you did get multiple versions of one character i don't know you know it gives it gives them personality as well doesn't it it imbues these then things that aren't characters with a sense that they are a character that you don't know about, like a red tracks, you see that and you think it's something. The same like you're saying about Blue Blue Street, when you see that art, it exists. And so it's like, why does that exist? It's not just, like sometimes when you get just a different colour of a toy, it's just a different colour of a toy. But when you see that, it's something that triggers something in in your imagination and it makes you want to know what it is. I remember looking at Diaclone paperwork of the pre-Omnibots, and uh, Overdrive, the Ferrari, is depicted in yellow. And I just thought, oh, that's really cool. You know, is that something that exists? And, you know, Diaclone paperwork shows them involved in this massive battle with the Waroodas, you know, with the alien invaders. So it's really action-packed. It's it's really dynamic. And you can tell there's a story there. And even though those toys weren't wholly sentient robots the way transformers are it's still like you say there's that artwork makes you know takes you immerses you in the world and then you kind of start thinking oh what's that about other than just yeah like a catalog picture oh oh, there's that toy in a slightly different color you don't look at it just on a on a toy level no because they're participating in something in an event these characters are so it's it feels like something important and it is like say when you get those toys a lot of time you're in the back of a car or a bus or something and you're staring at that box all the way back and that's where your mind is focused on and so that's why it's so so true i I remember um going with my dad to pick up my mum from college uh it must have been 1986 i guess and uh, he had bought me a g1 grapple on his way back from work apparently there was a toy store uh in tottenham court road where he used to work i can't remember was abc or nbc which particular one he was working when they had offices there in tottenham court road in london central london and there was a toy store just around the corner from his, his offices um and he used to stop in there every now and then and bring Transformers home. That, that's where I got my Mirage from and my Sideswipe. And uh, Grapple, who I had no idea who Grapple was. You know, I'd not seen him 
in anything because I'd only had the arrival from Cybertron VHS at that stage. I didn't have any 85 videos. And I remember sitting in the back of the car with G1 Grapples, like very orange Transformer, who I had no idea who he was. And I must admit, like I was saying, well, why can't you just bought me another Lamborghini? Or why didn't you buy me Jazz? <laughs> Why'd you bought me a truck? <laughs> I don't even know who it is. <laughs> but um, yeah, I remember that whole sitting in the back of a car, like, you know. But, Wait. you know, I, I didn't throw up on it, just if anyone's wondering. That's, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess the irony of all of that, not the throwing up bit, but the irony of all of that is that, um, uh, that actually most of, well, pretty much all of the characters, uh, you know, the cars and whatever, anyway, were represented in the cartoon, weren't they? I mean, not, not so much in 85, because you've got stuff like the Jump Starters, Deluxe Insecticons, things like that. But actually, I'm thinking in terms of repaints anyway. It's not like now where you might get weird colours recolors of toys that don't appear in fiction or don't really have a place in a cartoon or whatever actually then pretty much everything was represented in one way or another and you didn't really get just random yeah. repaints did you i mean you had grapple in inferno in 85 obviously you had ironhide ratchet in year one uh you know there the were some examples the the datsuns but even then there's typically like differences between them it's not just straight up repaints uh and actually i had this conversation with someone online the other day uh, it was asking about were there lots of repaints in G1. It was like, actually, surprisingly few. Like, it's really a very, very, very rare occurrence. Uh, a couple in the first two years, maybe three years. But, I mean, after that, very little at all. So, uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating now how different it is to today, really. Yeah, because I think in the 84 line, it's only the Seekers and the tapes, isn't it? That other recolors? Blue Streak and Prowl, I guess, if you can. Yeah, but Prowl's got them. the light bar, though, doesn't he? Well, he he does, does, yeah. but, yeah. but I mean, there's still slight differences between those, whereas the jets and the tapes are just the same, just in different colours, aren't they? Yeah, Buzz yeah. or Laserbeak as well. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I yeah. guess you also had like yellow and red Cliff Jumper, yellow and red Bumblebee. Uh, that's mm. true. Yeah. Which was, you know, again, another attempt to pad the line, wasn't it? But um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It just strikes me as, as funny, that's all. But what repaints there are, are certainly in those first couple of years. But even then, it's not that many, you know, seekers aside, perhaps. Um, it's really not it's weird how you don't think of them as repaints as well because they are yeah. separate characters, aren't they? That's how they get you with those seekers, man. That's how they get you, honestly. Like they just, you know, people are like, <laughs> oh, I don't yeah. like repaints, but then I'll buy eight seekers. You know, I'll, I'll get, I'll get the rainmakers as well. You know, I'll get those. Uh, the number of people I see getting that rainmakers, uh, you know, War for Cybertron pack or whatever, and I, it just always makes me giggle. That's all. But uh, that's how they get you with the seekers. Or being upset about not getting it. <laughs> right. I mean, we talked about this in 1984, but nowadays as a collector where you sort of hate yourself a little bit for for eating this stuff up, man, that's that's all I wanted as a kid. I just wanted the six planes. Yeah. And uh, I was quite happy to say, okay, well, what toy would you like this time? I, I just want Starscream in blue. What toy would you like this time? I'll take him in red this time, thanks. What about this time? Well, blue again, but with the brown wings. So that, that was just fine <laughs> when I was yeah. a kid. Just every time, just another Decepticon strike plane. So, yep, I'll take him, you know. You and I was sad about the ones I didn't have. It just shows you how powerful, though, putting a personality in a character, hanging right. that on it yeah. does, because I don't think of Thundercracker and Skywarp as, you know, mm. repaints of Starscream, even though I know they are. I, don't, I wouldn't ever think of them as the same. I just think of them as different characters. That's the character thing exactly. When I got mm. Red Alert, I hadn't seen him in the cartoon. And I remember thinking at the time, oh, this is just the same as my Sideswipe, but I've got another chance to own it now and I'm not going to break this one because I hadn't 
I didn't have um, Desertion of the Dinobots yet on VHS, and that's where I first saw Grapple. That's where I first mm-hmm. saw Red Alert and, and a lot of those toys. And I'd had Megatron's Master Plan, so Thrust, Ramjet, and Dirge were obviously like big favorites of mine. And I'd seen Smokescreen for the first time in that episode as well, when they all roll up at the uh, at the mayor's speech and the Decepticons are trying to steal the energy and Prime just and tracks as well because my brother had bought tracks. I was like, oh my god, my brother's toy is is in this cartoon and he's got three modes. He's amazing. Mm. You know, before Ramjet knocked him out of the sky. So. Uh, <laughs> And I loved Megatron's master plan so much for bringing these characters to those toys. It meant so much. See, for me, it was uh, Dinobot Island because there's that. I mean, aside from the fact that it's a Dinobot-centric episode, so it's going to be quite entertaining anyway. Uh, But there's that brilliant sequence uh, halfway through where they're trying to close all the time portals. uh, And there's a sequence of the pirate ship where you've got Trax, Sea Spray, and Cliff Jumper. But for me, it was those first two. Uh, it was the first time I saw them in the cartoon, and it was just like, who are these guys? You know, just uh, particularly tracks, as you said, kind of zooming in with a flying car mode. Um, and just his voice as well, just the way he's all kind of like, oh, I'd rather stay in my stunning auto mode. You know, and he kind of does all that thing. Yeah. And it's... um the the last order, Prime. <laughs> I want to throw a little dark on the subject. Loved it, loved yeah. it. The, word the, for word, I still remember those. The, the voice acting in those cartoons as well, I just think was so superb that there was something about the quality of the voices that just really gave you a sense of these characters. You know, I always think of like Hound in the the first couple of episodes as well, and just the quality of the Mm -hmm. voice, just giving it that kind of gentle sensibility, that kind of sense that this was someone that you could get on board with, that you could trust. It's really hard to kind of put your, I don't know, to really define it in a way, but they just... They just imbued these characters with such a sense of grace. And I think it's, yes, it's a silly cartoon. Yes, it's full of floods and animation errors. Yes, it's goofy as anything. But there's some real, the sound of it, actually, I think if you sit and listen to that, I said this before, the sound of that cartoon, I think it's gorgeous. Hang on a minute. There was nothing goofy about Thrust breaking in on Chip Chase at Teletran 1 in Megatron's Master Plan. Did you see the terror in Chip's face? Yeah. And Thrust thought he was saving the day and he ruined everything. And as a Thrust lover, I was embarrassed to my core that my guy had ruined everything for the Decepticons that day. I was, I was going to say, are you implying that Chip didn't have courage? <laughs> well, n- not when he was facing Thrust coming through the roof. Yeah, it was, it was quite a moment, certainly. But he stood up to him well there, didn't he? He did. Well, he he was, did. it was a pile of reject parts. Right. Yeah, there we go. He didn't. He didn't have a comeback for that either, did he? He didn't no. have a comeback. He just laughed and flew off. <laughs> I love that he then screws up their whole plan as well. Right? Know, yes. This is classic for us. And but, then uh, at the last, like last frame of that episode where the Decepticons are retreating, it's Thrust who sort of goes up last. And he's like, "Yeah, it was you, mate. It was you." <laughs> Everyone's looking at him. Yeah. Look beside them. I remember once when I, t- I took a photo of Thrust with Chip Chase, and the first comment I got was from you saying, "I wanted to do that." <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. The masterpiece Thrust. Yeah. It's good we're talking about the cartoon, though, because that does follow the, s- the similar sort of pattern of the toy line, doesn't it, by having, like, 52 episodes, whereas... Is it 52 or 54? That's mad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah compared right. to season one. Right, because basically season season one, as we know it, it basically finished uh, Heavy Metal Wars, right? Yeah, was it 16 yeah. episodes or something in season one? I'd need to look it up, but very few comparatively. 
Yeah, because I think it's the miniseries, isn't it? Is it the four? And then there's like an extra 12 sort of pad it out to a season. Right, yeah. And then Dinobot Island was the one where all the new characters came in, wasn't it? Predominantly, that was yeah. The there first, was the first yeah. appearance of most of them, yeah. Yeah, Perceptor, quite a few of them. And they, they've all got really clunky uh, intros as well. They're all kind of like, uh, you know, why don't you use me? Perceptor, you know. It's kind of <laughs> like, what? what? Do, do you, you not know? introduce yourself that way at parties? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it, it's clunky as anything. There's a lot of um, kind of expositional introductions going on, but uh, not as much as the comic, actually. Like the comic, early, early comic, pre not the UK material so much, but the, the US stuff was really egregious for this honestly like there's there's a very it like the roll call <laughs> yeah 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 there's, a, there's it's 84 actually but there's um if you've not seen it i'll have to send it to you later but there's a hilarious panel from the first issue of the american um version of the the comic and there's like the the whole of the 84 autobot cast introduce themselves in like one panel and they but they say their name but they also state their greatest ability so it's all like cliff jumper going oh well They'll never get away from Cliff Jumper with my glass gun, you know. Like, and it's it's painful. It's painful to say the least. Yeah. Again, I, I'm just I'm just reminded of how you introduce yourself at TF Nation. <laughs> yeah, that is. Yes. And then someone says, "It's him." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know what my greatest ability would be. Really, is my is my greatest ability being able to reach the top shelf in the supermarket? I don't know. It's uh, I, I'd have to think <laughs> long and hard about that one, probably. But uh, yeah, but no, lots of expositional introductions, as I say, in the old cartoon. Uh, but some really interesting characters as well. One thing I will say about eighty five, and I love, I actually love eighty five more than eighty four for many reasons. Uh, one of which is that I think there was a lot more interesting characters because in '84 mm. you've got some real, you've got some some quirky ones, but a lot of very traditional jocks. You've got your sideswipes, your sunstreakers. You've got your real kind of you know classic uh, hero archetype lads, you know. And then in '85 you get your your Renford rejects. You know, you've got your to, to sort of say it a little bit. You know, you've got yeah. your your Cosmos. You've got your Perceptor. You've got your, you know, all of these guys. Warpath is, you know, sliced short of a pizza, isn't he? But, uh, you know, you've got, <laughs> he's, you know, all of these weird it's dudes. Power Glide? Yeah, Power Glide, do you know what I mean? He's, the blowhard, yeah. Yeah, the blowhard. And, and, and romancing I, the, his human ladies? Yeah. yeah. Well, they were all With doing that, they? They were all romancing, you know, <laughs> organic ladies of some sort. Sea Spray was at it as well, do you know what I mean? And he's uh, having it away with that mermaid, <laughs> merlady or whatever. Uh, that was all a bit weird. Um, but uh, it was just a very, very bizarre year. But what they did really nicely, I think, was that they made some of the quote-unquote like other guys the heroes. So the fact that like there's an episode, uh, you know, and, and are dedicated around a tiny toy, Beachcomber, uh, who's a pacifist, and they put mm. that front and centre, I think that's really nice. For the time, especially, you know, because you might get more of that now. But back then, you, you really didn't, actually. You really, that's quite uncommon. And the fact that, like, Perceptor got um, a lot of starring roles and was in tons of the cartoon, and he turns into, A, a microscope, and B, he's a scientist and isn't, like, particularly battle-hardy or whatever. I think that's really cool, and props to them for doing that. Yeah, and then that paved the way for him to be so awesome in the movie as well. You know, he's such a memorable part of the movie for me. Just his, his yeah. voice acting, like you say, and his that personality standing in such contrast to the surrounding heroes. But, yeah, um, I, mean, I think you need that. I think you need that that mm. kind of break almost from them all just being hardened warriors. You know, it would get... One of the reasons that I find 
the War for Cybertron cartoons. Not to get into that today, but one of the Here reasons... Here we go again. Good <laughs> heavens. You say that like I talk about it all the time, and I, re- I actually make Every a point. Every episode. I don't You know. don't even see Optimus Prime transform on screen. That's my yeah. friend. That Scorpion went down a hole. <laughs> That is the like the only two criticisms I've ever made of that cartoon on this podcast. So here's the third in 13 episodes. Here you go. You can take this to the bank. Uh, it's that there's no real brevity. You know, there's no... There are characters that are supposedly not as battle-hardened or whatever, but they're still kind of grim and, you know, kind of in the war and all of that. And it's all just very one note, I find. Whereas actually back then... It was a much lighter cartoon anyway, generally, but I like the fact that you had these very different archetypes of different characters and that they weren't all as, um, you know, on the front lines. And, you know, they're actually characters that happily said, you know, I don't want to fight and, and they, they weren't up for it. And you get a bit of that in WFC as well. I know you do. But um, just, I don't know, it felt to me like the characters back then, and that's not just me being, oh, it's the golden years and everything now new is rubbish, because I don't think that's true. There are tons of great modern cartoons and some you know, fantastic modern Transformers media, some as well. But, um, you know, I just Name felt, seven. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Robots in disguise. Yeah, too right. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you, you were talking about these... <laughs> you were talking about these uh, Beachcomber, especially. Yeah. I remember going to a friend's house, and that was the only Transformer he owned, was Beachcomber. And I remember at the time thinking, oh, that's quite interesting. It's definitely a Transformer. It's got a rub sign. I don't know who this is. Um, you know, okay, that's the only Transformer you have. And I was like, I remember messing with it, but not being like enamored with it in any way, shape or form and not thinking, oh, I really want my parents to buy me a beachcomber. And I think it's, you guys were obviously reading Marvel UK and I wasn't. So the cartoons were all the media I had. And I think it was a shame that we didn't get episodes like the Golden Lagoon because that would have... Yeah. You know, provided some much needed context for a toy like that. Yeah. There's such like the, I think that's such the strength of season two though. It gets a lot of grief, but it is that toy of the week episode, isn't it? Every right, episode yeah. focused on one character and it, it's, it's almost like an animated version of the tech specs, wasn't it? Like you would read those tech specs yeah. and they'd say like red alert is paranoid or whatever. They might not even say that, but it's that sort of thing, isn't it? And then the episode just focused on one trait, one personality trait, and it makes them really easy to then sort of connect with. That's what the strength of those episodes are, I was fine. Yeah, but then when you get the episode about the toy that you like, it's everything. Like I remember yeah. finally seeing the gambler as a as a grown up and thinking, this is a, a smokescreen episode and it was great. I loved it. I mean, maybe yeah. mostly for the inclusion of a character called Slizado. <laughs> this is just terrific. But yeah, I love The Gambler because of that precisely. And uh, yeah, um, the Red Alert episode where he loses his mind. That was yeah, um, It's one of the most memorable. I think what's also uh, worth noting is how... Auto Berserk. Yeah, Auto Berserk. What's also worth noting is is how similar, more similar, I suppose, not exactly cartoon accurate, but how much more similar a lot of those second year characters were in the cartoon and the comic to their toy counterparts. Because... Mm-hmm. In the first year, you know, I mean, Red Alert is a good example, actually, because Sideswipe was heavily redesigned to look like a bit more athletic, a bit more humanoid, whatever, a bit more streamlined. But then Red Alert, actually, if you look at the animation model and the the Marvel comic model, you know, it is closer to the toy. And I think it's, um, you know, kind of great that they made that differentiation. But also interesting that it happened in the second year to almost go back to the toys as opposed to what they did initially. Uh, just kind of a, a different way around to how you would think it would be done. But then you had the Coneheads who, first of all, were Coneheads, 
which was completely against what the toy instructions were telling you to pose them like. And, you know, they had those details like the knee, those, uh, you know, like those polygons yeah, they had the, on their knees, yeah. which the were basically pads. their thighs and their knees at the same time. And, yeah, I, uh, I was thinking more of the stickers, cast, the cast, to be fair. But yeah. yeah, you are right about the old cone heads. But I still think it's a travesty when people pose the toys with the little cones up. It just looks so silly. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm a definitely definitely a cone up You're collector. a cone up man, I know. Yeah, because, really? of, because of Megatron's master plan. Because that was basically where I fell in love with those toys. And I did everything possible to recreate that look. To the point where when I first started collecting, I bought spare dirge bombs to put on the back of Thrust's wings because that's what he has in the cartoon. He has basically dirge bombs on the back of his wings in robot mode. And uh, obviously his little tiny rear fins are reversed upside down in robot mode. So I remember, I'm amazed I didn't break my childhood thrust actually, because I kept always having to replace those and put them in upside down to look as much like the cartoon as possible. People people like you explain why Takara Tomi could get away with doing things like the masterpiece over and over again it's It's so true and those conehead masterpieces were something i looked forward to with so much further and they were not good they were not story for another day but man that was something i was super enthusiastic about yeah hopefully they'll get it right with the you know if they do 52 um and and you know what if they do do that right and they do do a perfect thrust and ramjet i think um I'd be hard pressed to resist that because they still have like I'm hard I'm finding it hard hard to resist MP52. So yeah, you know you never know. Never know. You never know. Is that, never is that because of its cartoony looks? Yeah, and just you know, it's cartoon Starscream is the one I fell in love with. I loved the the cartoon before I ever bought the toy, and just seeing that so perfectly represented. You know, like we talked about in the masterpiece episode, it's just in different periods of collecting in our lives, different things look perfect, and. um you know, they're just getting closer to that look and you look back and think, well, how was I ever okay with that? But it, it's a whole different thing. You collect for different reasons at different times and, you know, G1 collecting now, you don't collect G1 toys to look like the cartoon, do you? No, no, so. that's fair to say. I, and, and at no point, obviously, was I suggesting that, the, that any of those toys are cartoon accurate. I just find it funny that the second year toys, that the, that the animation actually went closer to the toys than, than the first year. That's all. That's the bit that I find fascinating. Red Alert is the, kind of the ultimate example of that. Uh, you know, there are others, obviously, but uh, that was just one. The lovely thing about Red Alert is that it's a completely Transformers-only color scheme as well. It's mm. yes, really nice. Like, that is true. Yeah. No, yeah the old fire like chief. Mm. Yeah. yeah, always perplexing that one. You still get people now, I think, that are like, oh, it's, it's not a police car? And, of course, like I was stunned to find out that the Diaclone version of that was a police car. And yeah. I thought, wow, you yeah. can get this amazing Contash as a police car. And that was just so attractive. Still is. Like, Clampdown is beautiful. A lot of the nicest things that I felt came out of 1985, I used to own. And now I only have photos of because it's such a popular year. And there are so many popular toys that are still enduring in uh, desirability. I just can't even imagine ever being able to have them again. Uh, That's true. Things like, like Mexican variants of Prowl in black with the black Prowl head. And right. Mexican smokescreen, which is actually the blue streak body, but in smokescreen colors. I've owned all of these and it's just so difficult to find them now because everyone's looking for them and everyone yeah. pays loads. Red slag. It's, red it's slag. Like I, I was offered yeah. two red slags recently. 
I'm trying to say that sentence with a straight <laughs> face. Wow. This is becoming a theme on this, <laughs> in this podcast, isn't it? <laughs> anyway. Woo! It's a family-friendly so like, podcast, man. Yeah. And, and red slags are just getting more and more costly these days. And uh, you get you get much less for more. Or you get, Cheap, yeah, cheapest. for what you pay. So, I mean, the, that toy comes with an exclusive red launcher. And yes. you just can't you can't find them for love nor money. So if, if you're, if you're going to buy a red Canadian slag, if it doesn't have the launcher, you just have to accept that you're never going to have it. Yeah. And uh, the price of those has gone so high now for Re- junkers. Yeah, I was going to say, and do you know, the only ones I ever see are junkers, actually, really. Yeah. I, very rarely. I can't remember the last time I saw one that looked halfway decent. You know, they, I always see them beaten up and whatever. Yeah, I, I just think that there are so many people who are looking for these toys now. If you happen to own one in great condition, you know you don't need to go to eBay. You just yeah. basically... You know who to talk to 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 get top dollar, and it's just like it's an easy sale, no eBay faffing, and that's the same with things like uh, Black Mexican Prowl as well, uh, like Redfoot Optimus Prime. I was just going to say yeah, about the old uh, the old like Seji Prime. I was, you know, you know, I have a Seji Prime now, finally, which was a real. Um, uh, bo- I was going to say box tick, but that's not doing it justice because that for me was a real, uh, quite a heartfelt win. I was so happy to get it. And uh, lovely good find, yeah, yeah. I think, well, as I recall, you helped me out with that one, but um, yeah, uh, but I mean, that was such a good price. Someone a, had to get it, man. It was yeah. amazing. I was, I was just like, I kept watching it, thinking it's, it's never going to go for that, you know, and and it and it did, you know, yeah, just, and then it does, so, yeah, exactly, so good. But it, it again, it had been mislabeled, I think, slightly in the auction or whatever, but um, not mislabeled, but just not very clearly labeled, I should say. It was labeled mm. as what it was, but it, you know, it didn't. It was maybe missing uh, one or two keywords, and I just kind of, you know, luckily came across it. And uh, but yeah, really, really good. I mean, but again, that's a that's a toy that I think you just have to kind of. We talked about it at the time, didn't we? You just have to kind of accept whatever condition it's in. I'm lucky that mine is is I wouldn't say pristine, but it's in very good condition. It has bits of wear, but it's not one that I would ever look to swap bits out on or anything like that because it is what it is. It's not. Um, it's not one that you want to upgrade or put repro labels on or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? Just because it's it's one of it's one of a kind. Well, not one of a kind, but we had a question about this on YouTube not so long ago, didn't we? On one of your YouTube posts, like people, we talk. I talked about Frankensteining toys and how yeah. that kind of messes up the the history of the toy. And and someone said, like, well, hang on a minute, mate. Didn't you just say in the same episode that you took a a Diaclone Black Track Styro? and replaced it with a red diaclone styro haven't you just done exactly what you said you wouldn't but that's the thing like if you know the chronology of these toys and if you do look into variants and you know about them you realize that for something like those toys they were all being manufactured in the same place at the same time and were being shipped from japan in their styro to the associated locations that those toys were being distributed in so like a black tracks in that styro was coming from the same place that a red tracks was coming from that was being sold in mainland Europe. That's why those parts are interchangeable because they have the same origin. And by maintaining the history of the toys and their integrity, you can make these connections. You can actually say, actually, this part is completely compatible with that release. So, you know, you could conceivably do that if you knew what shared the exact same molding parts with that Redfoot Prime. And and again, that's... That's another subject altogether, but it's why it's so important that in a year like 1985, where it was like totally haphazard, yeah. cross nation, you know what you're doing. That, yeah, and, and you know where these things come from. 
Like yeah. stuff, it, I was amazed to find out like Juicer Diaclones in 1985 were being shipped from Japan in Styro to Europe and then being packaged in Europe based on stuff that was being printed in Europe. Boxes mm. were being printed in Europe. So that was fascinating to me. And can, can I just ask you a question? I, I meant to ask it on an earlier episode, actually, when we were talking about the styrofoam then, is why did they switch, you know, for the cars and stuff when it came here to the cardboard with the plastic bubble? Why did they switch from the styrofoam? Because you said they were putting them in with the styrofoam, in, weren't they, in some of the original boxes and then putting like mm. little cardboard inserts and stuff. So why yeah. did what was what was the reason behind the change? Because they still kept the styrofoam for larger toys, didn't they? They did, yeah. Um, Magnus, for example, had it. Yeah, Magnus, Jetfire. Yeah. Prime in 1984, Megatron, mm. Soundwave. Uh, I don't know. I, I would wonder if it had something to do with cost. You know, would it was it more costly to produce styrofoam inserts for for everything that they were planning to release in Hasbro. The existing styrofoam inserts uh, that came from Japan would have fit much smaller packaging, though. That's the thing. Those mm. styro inserts were much smaller. So you wouldn't be able to take like the styro insert from a Prowl and put it in a Hasbro yeah. box without mm. those cardboard supports, like you were saying. Mm. So uh, just suited them. To, like That's the box design we're going with. We need to create new insert packaging. And, I, and maybe it's just because they were seen as more disposable things. Like you, you yeah. wouldn't expect um, like kids to keep the packaging and all the insert stuff. Whereas the Takara stuff was designed in a way to be then displayed and put back into the packaging. Well, I don't know. Maybe the answer lies somewhere between cost and practicality and, and marketing and just general philosophy when it comes to children's toys. There was something, it's like I knew about it, but I it actually never, I never really thought about it until you mentioned it. And then it ticked something in my head and I was like, why did they change those boxes? Because you, you just think if they were already coming in the styrofoam, they would have designed the boxes around the styrofoam and the dimensions oh. they had. But So it's just fascinating to think that they then instead went, no, we're going to redesign the boxes and create a whole new inserts. Yeah, I mean, if you look at some diaclone packaging, it's really threadbare. You know, There's some yeah. cool stuff on the top and the bottom in terms of vehicle specs and uh, cross-sell on the back, but the, obviously Hasbro had their own plans about what they were going to do with that packaging to tie it in with the fiction and, and, all, and all the Transformers stories. So they, they just needed more real estate, really, yeah. didn't they, on the, on the packaging? Tech specs, big back-of-box battle, big splash artwork show the toy in the packaging and big transformers branding on the flap you know stuff like that it's fu it's funny how you think of that though as well like um it was all for show because the bubbles are obviously far less long lasting and durable than the inserts like you say there it's more disposable and no, so they were encouraging you to cut up the box yeah. like yeah. cut you know remove the tech spec remove the robot points destroy the box <laughs> you know that, yeah. that was in, you know actively being encouraged it's funny. It's almost like a accidental sort of recycling, isn't it? It's like they're, they're getting rid of the uh, you know the styrofoam because it's more environmentally bad. But they, it wasn't that wasn't the reason. But they just just kind of accidentally gone through that. Yeah, and if you don't well. cut out the tech specs, where else are you going to write down the number for a job interview that you have like decades <laughs> later? There's a little callback for you. You've really it's getting to the stage. This is becoming like the MCU. This podcast, you've got to really like follow. <laughs> Each little bit of it. Do you know what I mean? We sat down to watch um, uh, old Loki recently. And the first thing my wife said was, I really don't want a history lesson on this before we start watching it. You know? I was like, fair enough. We'll just go in cold. And then within five minutes, she was like, who's that guy? Honestly. And it, I kind of I kind of feel at some point that we're, we're going to be like the same thing because we're making references to stuff. And then we'll have to do a quiz at some point. Too. I look forward to the Netflix series then. Yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. There you go. 
Little it's because we keep recording on Throwback Thursday as well. We always record yeah. on Throwback <laughs> Thursday. That's, that, that must be yeah. it. That must be it. Um, I was going to say, actually, just going back a step to what you were saying about, you know, rare toys and the fact that actually some of the 85 toys are now very hard to come by in pristine condition. And I actually didn't even think, when you were saying that initially, I didn't even comprehend that you were going to start talking about variants because I just thought yeah, you were going right. to I, I talk about some of them like, I mean, let's be honest, Whirl and Roadbuster, yeah, uh, right. Deluxe Insecticons, you know, a lot Swoop. of those. Swoop, you know, I was going to say a lot of those Takatoku guys originally, but certainly, yeah, Swoop as well. Uh, Shockwave even oh. is, is, you know, you've had some fun with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, there, there are some sure, nightmare, some, nightmare toys to find there. Absolutely right, absolutely right. I mean, some Jetfire. of these toys are, te- yeah, Jetfire. Is probably the poster boy for trying to find one in pristine condition, and right. it's so annoying because it's so available as a toy. Oh, hugely so! Could never call that toy rare. Yeah, you can never talk, call it rare, but finding the one that you're looking for is is going to be a mission. Yeah. And of course, you know, we mentioned it in 1984. Some of these toys were actually available in 1984, right at the end of 1984. So there's like pre-rub versions of Skids, mm. a pre-rub version of of Jetfire. There's a 1984 version of Shockwave, which you can sort of tell. Because it even in a sealed box, you can see along the seam of the chest from the side, it's starting to split where the arm is that comes from the factory that way. So it's, it's amazing how collectors have isolated these particular things to look out for in probably quite recent years. I mean, I'm still seeing things that people are discovering that I never knew existed. And this is this is this is 1985 in a nutshell. Just like so much variety yeah, and 100%. different things going on everywhere. But yeah, some of those 1985 bread and butter transformers are really difficult to find in nice condition. Yeah, I, I've I've had a hell of a time with it recently. You know, trying to find like a Roadbuster mm. was just a total mission for me. I've lost count of the number of listings and and whatever I've looked at for Roadbusters um, over, over the last however many years, and just started to think it was never going to happen and i finally found one that turned out to be immaculate and it was stickers applied as well i couldn't believe it but you know when you that kind of toy because the stickers on those x takatoku toys especially you know whirl and roadbuster even more than the deluxe insects are just crazy they are so small and so precise the instructions uh i mean look at this like i love what toy hacks do uh you know repro labels i think they do great stuff but clearly in the instructions for like the deluxe insecticons and that, even they couldn't figure it out because they're just like, you see their instructions and they're like, well, I don't know, Do you know? <laughs> like whatever. Just <laughs> the, uh, the original uh, Hasbro instructions even are just totally like made up. You know, there's just arrows pointing everywhere, lines going over lines, you know, in the instructions about where these um, stickers are supposed to go. And uh, it's, it's just ridiculous. But yeah, so I got um, a Roadbuster stickers applied and I was, I don't know. I couldn't believe it when I saw it that the person had applied the stickers, but just so immaculately that I was super happy with it and it's just pristine. Um, but that was a real accomplishment for me. Um, and, and to not find one that cost a, you know, a, a arm and a leg as well was, was, uh, was good. But um, yeah, so many of them that are just worn to anything, you know, it's, it's sad in a way, but also kind of fun. A lot of that as well is because they were so prevalent. They were so used as kids' toys, weren't they, as well? So yeah. there is a I lot mean, of... Yeah. That's I why you know. find those so often, like in junk shops and stuff, it's always mm-hmm. the dead remains of a red alert or a smoke screen. And actually some of them, and, and again, I would use the Deluxe Insects, uh, the Deluxe Insecticons as a prime example because, yeah, they were used as kids' toys. They're also hugely not durable, those toys. Like they are very yeah. nice toys, but something like Ransack, I mean, 
uh, I've actually had two because the first one uh, just kind of crumbled a bit on me almost, even though it was nice when I got it, you know, it lasted not long. Um, and then I used it for, for you know, sort of spare parts or whatever. I've still got the, the kind of crumbly one just because I was like, okay, if ever the other one does <laughs> deteriorate, then I've got some spare parts or whatever. Um, and touch wood, I've been lucky so far. But, um, you know, they're really not built to last in any way, shape or form. And I can also imagine how those characters not being seen in the cartoon, they crop up very, like one scene they're in, those deluxe Insecticons in the UK version of the comic only. Um, and, you know, they're, they're barely mentioned by name. Uh, I can imagine how they, they were probably no one's favorite character. And so they probably just got like a bit thrown to the side and kind of disregarded or whatever. So all of this kind of adds up to make them hard to find now, I think. It's always the way. Always the way. It's the ones that nobody wanted that then become the hardest to track down and the most yeah. desirable. Well, of course, we didn't get them in the UK either, did we? That's no. true. So That's there was true. a lot of toys with that kind of weird licensing because they weren't originally Hasbro and Takara toys that we didn't get in the UK. But like, it's funny, they turn up in mainland Europe. So you get yeah. like Milton Bradley versions of Deluxe Insecticons and yeah. Roadbuster and Whirl. And you get Omega Supreme in slightly not Transformers packaging, like, but very clearly based on Transformers packaging. And it's an official uh, toy box item. Yeah. Uh, very clearly in Omega Supreme colors, but it doesn't say Transformers on the box. And that was sold in mainland Europe. Shockwave was a Milton Bradley toy. We didn't get that in the UK. Yeah. You know, so uh, my my like, Roadbuster's from the Netherlands. Yeah, so it's, probably, it's a okay. Milton Bradley Roadbuster. Yeah, yeah. We somehow bizarrely ended up being sold in Japan as well, in Milton Bradley boxes. Nice. Oh, in the Transformers branding. That I didn't yeah. know. It shows oh. up so strangely, like once in a while in Milton Bradley boxes, a Roadbuster will turn up in Japan. It's really odd. And then, of course, we uh, didn't get Old Swoop. Oh. Right, yeah, which we detailed in previous episodes. Liam's grandma to- tales. <laughs> yeah, cost and fragility. Yeah. and It's, it's yeah. a good example, though, because, again, Swoop was one. Swoop was a good example, and Shockwave, of characters mm. that the comic put front and center. And I'm not just talking the U.S. comic. I'm talking the U.K. storylines. Yeah. You know, they right. heavily focused on these toys, on these Made characters. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Swoop had uh, the whole thing with his name, you know, originally being Dive Bomb in the, in the comics and, and that uh, his name got s- stolen by Dive Bomb and all of that. And, hmm. um, you now know, that and I've then, read. What's in a name? I yeah, what's, in a name? what's in a it's name? It's brilliant. I love yeah, it. It's, it's a good story. Um, but then, you know, the, the fact that you couldn't even get the toy, <laughs> it's just yeah. kind of incredible. Not to mention he was big in the cartoon as well. So, and he's in some of my favorite episodes, like Desertion of the Dinobots. A starring so. role in Transformers the movie as well. Well, not starring, yeah. but, you know, he's... Yeah, he's in it. <laughs> prominent, prominent. Unlike just a, yeah, unlike yeah, 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 blinking, you miss him. But uh, yeah, it's just kind of mad, isn't it? Very haphazard approach to distribution yeah. and all of that. And as you said, just I'm sure as a result of a lot of licenses and all of that, but also a lot of fragility and uh, so. Well, do we want to talk about that? Like where some of these toys came from? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, uh, we did get Jetfire in the UK. Jetfire was quite widely available outside of Japan. They couldn't sell it in Japan because this was obviously a toy. And it's funny, Liam had this recently as well. He posted a picture of G1 Jetfire and he started getting people telling him that's not a Transformer, that's a Macross Valkyrie. Yeah. And we're like saying, yes, yes, it is. (laughs) Uh, But it was licensed by Hasbro from, at the time, Bandai because Takatoku had gone under by the time uh, Jetfire came out. So Bandai had the license for these 155 chunky monkey valkyries as they're called and uh, they released jetfire in jetfire colors and obviously in the cartoon they couldn't depict him in the same way as he looked as a toy which is straight up macros repaint with a few safety features added rounded nose cone and stuff 
And then um, we had Skyfire in the cartoon who didn't get a toy. It, you, you, know, you bought Jetfire instead. And uh, Jetfire then couldn't be sold in Japan as Jetfire because of the clash with the Macross license and, yeah. and all of that palaver. Jetfire was available in mainland Europe, you know, in Milton Bradley boxes in 1985 and then also in 1986 in Hasbro Europe. And uh, I think that might just be my favorite 1985 Transformer. And it wasn't even a Hasbro Takara product. Surely that toy one of your, has stood the test of time. One of your favorite G1 Transformers, isn't it? I would have thought. Yeah, you, one of my favorite toys in history. Top five toys in history. It's like probably at number two for me. Like some days I think it's number one. Of the, the, just the best toy ever made. Articulation the, that was just way ahead of its time. Looks wise, size wise. Just that whole snap-on armor, the beauty of those modes. And man, what looks better than a G1 Jetfire all hooked up with his armor or even yeah, just it's, in its box in jet it's mode? Something, something. It has such it's, a presence um, as well because it's, it's oh. a large toy. It's not, it's not a small toy. One, one of the few Transformers that you can do one-handed, isn't it? What, you mean transforming one-handed? Yeah. It's true. You can do no, it. No, you? I think I wrote that in a Macros article. I wrote. It's absolutely true. I'm like, yeah, where's this going, guys? I have seen it done. I have seen it done um, uh, once, yeah. I think. But I've never tried it myself. But I, I had uh, heard that and then seen it done uh, once. What but, a magical yeah. transformation on that toy. Yeah, because the, the transformation is so smooth and so simple that actually it's possible to, to just kind of ma- manipulate it with one hand in such a way that you can do it. Uh, which is a weird thing for someone to have discovered, but there you go. Um, just kind of- I think if if anything, it, it's it's a compliment to how well designed that toy is. Yeah, for sure. For sure, it's not awkward to handle at all. Yeah, I just um, well, I think it, it it's exceptionally well built. I think a lot of people remember it for the die cast and all of that. You know, the fact that it was so sturdy. Uh, the articulation, I'm sure, is a big yeah. selling point for a lot of people in them in you know their memories. Well, I remember as a kid seeing Jetfire in school on a toy day so we had you know like that one day before the end of term when everyone was allowed to bring in their toys at school and it's funny because i don't think that's a thing anymore but they do it here in iceland like you know my daughter has a day at the end of school where they're all just allowed to take their favorite toys into school and i remember taking i can't remember what transformer i took but it it was totally overshadowed by the young lad whose mum and dad had bought him a Jetfire, and he and i didn't know who Jetfire was at all you know not seen him in the cartoons didn't know the car the comics and that toy, uh, I just remember it so fondly. It was the undercarriage and the the landing gear and just all the details on it. My brother remembers seeing Jetfires for sale in the UK. And he said he remembers at one point going into Toys R Us and they had them out of the box as well. Like he in that third girlwalk mode, he distinctly remembers that being displayed like that in a toy shop. So from the way we're talking, does this mean I'm the only one who had one as a child? I, I didn't have one as a kid. I didn't have one, no, but I... I... Mm. Knew someone but we didn't have did. your nan. Yeah, man. <laughs> no, that's yeah, we... not how I I acquired Jetfire through a playground trade because it was that uh, that there was always you know kids who had grown out of Transformers really quick. They were like super into it for a year, and then had moved on, and so this kid had got it, and he had no interest in it whatsoever. So I can't remember what I traded, but it, it wasn't very much. It was that's one of those how you just get a few... all your Jetfire toys, isn't it? People just walk up to you and give them to you in plastic <laughs> bags. It's a recurring life theme. <laughs> <laughs> That was the first time I met you in person, Liam. You were just wandering <laughs> around with that plastic bag of Armada Jetfire and whatever. But um, you maybe see like Rab C Nesbit or something like some like <laughs> drunk guy walking around with a kind of white lightning and <laughs> Jetfire in a I carrier mean, bag. <laughs> I I didn't say that. Can I point out? But, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, feel, to be fair. 
but no, I, I I knew someone that had one definitely because I remember as a kid the wheels, the pop out wheels being so fascinating with the way they worked and quite lethal, but um, yes, uh, very lethal. But uh, yeah. so much of it is familiar to me in terms of nostalgia that I definitely had a play with one, but I'm pretty sure I didn't have one. You, you can't lay eyes on that toy as an enthusiast yeah. of toys or as a kid who likes Transformers and ever forget it. It's yeah. looks wise. It's just way up there. Handling wise, the robot mode proportions were so fantastic. I mean, it was so far ahead of its time as a toy. I mean, it's no wonder that Macross has the passionate fan base that it does when that's what it launched with. Yeah. You know, and they just kept pumping out different colors of that mold, <laughs> which did different things, different heads, different armor. And it's yeah. just. I do love your little um, collection of them. I, it, it's, it's like Car Robots is now. It's a, it's a slippery slope I always stayed away from because I knew what would happen. And in 2013, it finally happened. I just decided, ah, you know what? I'm just going to buy them all. And then I started buying vintage macros, reissue macros, variant bootleg macros, because I just wanted the entire Jetfire rainbow. And I know macros fans will wince at that because they say it's not a Jetfire rainbow. Jetfire is the exception. You know, it's a macros toy line, Robotech in the US, I guess. And Jetfire is the oddity that some of them still don't know about. And you like, you get that on social media. You post a photo of Jetfire, like, no, no, this is a Transformer. Here it is in the box. This is from 1985. It's and, funny because um, you do not get that with any other Transformer, like Shockwave. Nobody comes in and goes, oh, actually, that's Galactic Man or some other thing. That's true, or yeah. These, or, these, or Skylinks or Omega Supreme or anything like that. Nobody ever does that. It's only well, Maybe, maybe you don't get it, but I, I'm pretty sure I've had this comment about it. Like That's why when you see my Twitter post, I've gone to some sort of length to make sure I've got the year right, the name of the toy right, the actual name of the company, because someone will yeah. say it. And speaking of Astro Magnum, the Galactic Man, did you guys see that just this year someone had gone to Toyco's warehouse yes. and factory and found yeah. a lucky draw chrome silver pre shockwave? Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Oh thing. my goodness. This is what I'm talking about, this hobby, like nearly 40 years down the line, and we just discover this prize toy. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Some incredible. kid in Japan has it. You know, like yeah. other kids have it. Absolutely amazing. It's always funny with that to me because I always remember the um, the Jetfire toy, obviously. But as a kid, on the children's channel, they used to have a block with Transformers and following it would be Robotech. So I was always aware right, of Robotech. Right. And so when I saw those toys in a non-Robotech form, like the Valkyries, I used to be like, oh, fake Robotech. Not <laughs> connecting the Jetfire dot, <laughs> right. if that makes sense. The same. I, I had a mate that was very into to Robotech and, and whatever as well. So yeah, I was well aware of that. But they, they did actually animate Jetfire in his toy form, didn't they? For um in the TV advert. Uh, right? For the TV advert. Yeah, yeah. There is a brief bit of animation mm. for him, which can still be found, I think, on YouTube or whatever today. Uh, so that's kind of fascinating. Looks cool as well. It does yeah. look cool. Does Do you guys cool. ever notice in auction lots, like from the UK, you will every now and then see a Macross Valkyrie? I think it's the VF1J that you see, the grey one with the, the red stripes on the wings. You st still see that sometimes because that was released yeah. in, in the UK. The thing, the other thing, I guess, that's funny about Jetfire is that, of course, it has the same origins as the stuff that we've already been talking about, you know, about Roadbuster and Whirl and the Deluxe Insecticons and all of that, in that they were originally, as we said, Takatoku products. And then it was only mm. once Takatoku went under uh, and that Bandai, bought all the licenses for them and then subsequently licensed them to Hasbro that they got ported over to Transformers. But I guess, uh, I don't know, that 
I remember kind of learning actually that Jetfire had the same origin as all of this, you know, kind of other weird stuff and being like, oh, okay. Because I think Jetfire is a, a kind of history that a lot of people, you know, people know that it's a Macross toy uh, mm-hmm. originally, but I don't know if people necessarily make the same connection as to, you know, the stuff, uh, the other stuff that I'm talking about. Do you know what I mean? Like all the deluxe Insecticons and things. Uh, so the it's Max. just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's just kind of funny how actually they all sat under the same sort of umbrella. Oh well, yeah, like Dorvac is Roadbuster and Whirl, and then you've yeah. got Beatras, which Beatrice. is the the bugs, the Lux Insecticons. Yes, and it's funny because the the Beatras Ransack only got a really really small run, and it it's did. super hyper rare toy to find. There's a lot of debate, uh, isn't there, about whether it was actually made or not? But the theory is now that it was. Yeah, um, but but exactly. yeah, as you said, in a very late kind of limited run, just before yeah, Tempo Beat Vadam is the yeah. name. Yeah. In green. And actually, uh, one just sold recently. The, the same guy who had the prototypes we were talking about the other week, you know, like the, the swoop from the Transformers box mm. with the red and gold parts and the grapple, which was from the box. The guy had, um, I can't remember whether it was a hand-painted. I don't think it was hand-painted. I think it was just like a production Beatras ransack in green. And that, that just went for crazy money because yeah. it's so difficult. And apparently it's like proper end-of-line stuff. That, um, that it was released. And then, of course, we got Ransack in Transformers. So I've always wondered, like, do fans of Beatrus have like, a lot of affection for Ransack? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Well, I think the it would be, if you were into Beatrus, surely it would be tempting to own those toys in other colors, at least. I mean, I, I've definitely looked at a couple of the Beatrus toys, like Beat Google. I saw one going recently, you know, the kind of pre-chop shop. And mm. I remember thinking, wow, that's kind of attractive. And it was not it's a bad beautiful. price, actually. It's, uh, it's it, beautiful. You know, I was sorely, sorely tempted. Um, it just wasn't kind of the right time or whatever. I don't know, maybe one day. It'd be nice to, you know, be kind of fun to do that. Uh, but as you say, trying to track down the old, uh, you know, pre-Ransack could be... Uh, <laughs> what a find that would be, though, to be yeah, oh, the one who finds a beat that unboxed. Yeah. What a find that would be. It would be it'd be something. I don't think that's my destiny somehow, but um, never know. Never know. Living I can't out. wait for one to show up. I really can't. It'd yeah. be so nice to have that confirmed that that was actually end of line released. It'd be such I, a treasure. Yeah, it really would. I do think that the the history of those toys is just fascinating, though, and I just love the whole thing of them, you know, going to Bandai, being licensed out, uh, and and just the way that they were really kind of like just fill in the line, just get them out there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And that, but the fact that they got no help at all in terms of fiction, or you know, as I say, they're sparsely in the UK comic at all. Uh, but not in the cartoon or any of that kind of stuff. And uh, it's kind of funny because I think Roadbuster and Whirl um, get a little bit more recognition, you know, because they like Whirl has been in IDW and stuff like that. Mm, and wreckers. Been picked up again. Well, I was oh. going to say because they're wreckers, mm. because they, you know, because they were in Target 2006 and they were wreckers in that story in the comic line where the wreckers originated the whole thing, uh, Simon Furman and all of that. And, um, yeah, I think that's what's kind of given those characters that longevity. Whereas still today, does anybody care about the deluxe Insecticons? Like, you know, not really. And it's a shame because they're actually really nice toys. Like I um I love them actually. I really, really love them. Um I think it's They're so uh, different, aren't they? They're so, so strange. So weird. Colours wise, just totally oh, out there. Great. You know, they really pop, nice. don't they? They really yeah. pop. They, they translucent orange yeah. wings on orange wings on Ransack are really nice. They're really lovely. Uh, actually, for me, the one that always gets me is Barrage because it's, you know, yellow and green 
Uh, so it's a bit different in terms of a Decepticon lineup anyway. It's super articulated, like a bit like Jetfire, actually. Like it's not as articulated as Jetfire by any means, but it's got joints at the hips, joints at the knees. So you can properly do a little running man type pose. Uh, you know, it's got poseable arms as well. And um, just really interesting little folded out wings in the the kind of, was it like a rhino beetle? Uh, no, stag beetle. Mm. And um, it's got little fold out wings, little articulated wings in the beetle mode. Lots of little articulated legs for the beetle as well. So very intricate little interesting toys. And I just don't think they get enough rep. And super different from the, you know, the common G1 Insecticons. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Which I guess are weird as well, because they're the only Waruda uh, mm-hmm. Diclone toys, aren't they, to have been carried over. And uh, that I always find kind of fascinating, that they were the bad guys in Diclone. And, and like you were saying about Skywarp in 1984, those were given Decepticon color schemes. And now I just think their best incarnations are the Transformers ones. Just the standard, you know, orange and yellow translucent canopies for the chest, purple and black, and the chrome on the wings. Just, oh, I, they're I, such a beautiful set. They've never been topped as far as Insecticons go. I mean, I do, I do like the, uh, the old Christmas theme bugs, the, the, yeah. uh, the, the Diaclone ones. <laughs> yes. they're, they're kind of fun. But uh, yeah, I agree that the purple and all of that is is hard to pass up for those guys. It's kind of iconic now, isn't it? So. They're so pretty together. They're so beautiful with their gleaming chrome and nice, small, easy to transform toys. I remember my daughter loved them. Like I had a set of reissue Insecticons and she absolutely adored those toys. Really. Yeah. It's one of the most beautiful color schemes and it for, for a team as well. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't think, I don't think it's been bettered by any team. It is, there's just something beautiful about that uniform, black, purple, and sort of, orangey yellow hmm. yeah it's really cool and of course they're all um toys and we talked about this before previous episode but toys that stood out to me uh a bit like grimlock and the dinobots you know for having little driver's right. seats and things like that yeah. it was just like what is going on here why have they got wheels you know <laughs> things like that because in the yes. cartoon they're just insects you know they're just like mm. beast modes essentially in the cartoon but of course they were meant to be robotic insect vehicles in diaclone so um, and it's just a totally different spin, isn't it? It's just weird how they took those toys that actually make a lot of sense when you put a little driver with them and you say this right. is supposed to be like a, yeah. a beetle-shaped tank, effectively, or whatever. kind of makes more sense when you see them. And then when you say, actually, it's supposed to be like a robotic animal mode or a bro- robotic insect mode, it doesn't quite work as well, but still cool. So it's fine. It's a beetle with wings. Who cares? Uh, with uh, wheels, sorry. Who cares? I was super impressed when you said... As a kid, this was uh, like with Grimlock, it was confusing to you because you didn't sort of connect the dots. Like, why has this got a canopy? And I was just thinking, I don't think I ever questioned any of the toys I had. But then it was like, because of the toys I had, you know, I had smokescreen, I had red alert, I had grapple. And then when I photographed grapple with the Diaclone driver, it it suddenly brought the memory back. I was like, no, hang on. I remember Mm. as a child folding grapple's cab down and thinking, hang on a minute. Why does it do that? I had a tiny little seat there. I had well, Inferno, they and it was the same thing. I remember, um, I remember realizing at an early age that these things moved, other than joints, maybe. But mm. but even then, with G one, most of the joints are for transformation, aren't they? Mostly, not all, right. but most. Um, I remember realizing that these things moved in order to transform. So if something moved that wasn't part of transformation, it was a feature. And then, so being able to, as you said, move the cab forward on Inferno and Grapple. And seeing that there was a little seat in there was just kind of a, 
huh, what's that? Why would they include, I don't think I was thinking, why would they include a joint? But it was, that mm. was the kind of, you know, that was the, the logic anyway. But yeah, no, yeah. The, the the little chair in Grimlock's back, I think that was the one that really got me. Um, and it's you know, so the, obviously a chair as well. It's so, yeah, 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 just pops I up. I never had Grimlock as a kid or Insecticon, so I think like, you know, maybe I would have thought the same. But yeah, I can see how that would have raised an eyebrow. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, you know, on, on Magnus and stuff as well and, you know, mm. all of, a lot of that, a lot of that, to be fair. I had tracks as a kid and the little uh, flip-up flap, compartment, yeah. the little flap, that that was like, what? What's going on here? So I think and a lot hoist. of that stuff. There's always this, I had that with yeah, hoist. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah. Trailbreaker yeah. as well, yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I think, um, I know, Maz, you posted some pictures of a lot of this stuff with the drivers in place recently, and it really kind of resonated, uh, I think, with a lot of so people. Fun. Yeah, it was great. Really good to, really good way of doing it, actually, to put it all together. And I just think a lot of people, you know, people that probably haven't thought about Transformers since the 80s, probably saw that and went, oh, you know, like really kind of connected the dots almost. And I think it was. There were a lot of retweets of that sort of variety. Yeah. A lot of that sort of stuff from people who, you know, hadn't ever thought about that for 30 years. One of them was the dude from the Black Eyed Peas, actually. <laughs> I think right. that's what he retweeted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it, that makes me laugh because you bring up that Black Eyed Peas guy like at least once a week now, I think. No, it's been twice in 24 <laughs> hours, isn't it? It has. You mentioned it to me to me yesterday. It feels fresh. I couldn't tell oh, you what his name is, though. Do you remember like, that I still, guy, I still don't know what his name is. <laughs> that guy from the Black Eyed Peas, you retweeted me that one time. <laughs> it's just, just kind yeah. of funny. Are you going to join them on stage next and uh, <laughs> yeah. perform? <laughs> With my diagram pilots. Yeah, yeah. yeah hit him and Will I Am. They're uh, like bosom buddies. The Transformers will return after these messages. So, of course, a little word uh, in regards to our sponsor for today, which is tfsource.com, which is uh, really very exciting. As we said, important for us to take on a sponsor, and we really feel like uh, they're a good one for us. Uh, I'm just having a little look at the stuff that they've got in stock right now. Plenty of exciting stuff coming up. I've got my eye on the old uh, 3.0 Deluxe Optimus Prime, but there's also uh, a few other things as well. MP52 Starscream that's just come in as well. Can't wait to get that one. You tempted with that one yet, Maz? Uh, very tempted. Yeah, I mean, if I was going to go Masterpiece again, that is absolutely where I would go. Yeah, it, would it, looks, it looks great. It looks great. I'm very excited about you, that you one. You sure it's not MP052? Pretty sure on that one, there. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, I mean, the rate they're going, they might well get into three figures, right? Yeah, the... <laughs> that's true. I'm looking at, looking at TF Source's site now, and they don't have it on there. Let's put it that I'll way. take it back. MP Crosscut looked amazing. That doesn't uh, just shown off this week that would be the one that i'd struggle most that and reboost Oof. yeah good look, good uh, well there's a there's a pre-order for reboost up now and i think a pre-order for for old crosscut as well uh in fact there is so there you go so that's uh that's uh up for pre-order right now on now on tfsource.com yeah. so i got a lot of my masterpieces through tf source when i was doing them when i was buying them Lots yeah, of them came yeah. Through there. absolutely they've even got some stuff you might be into liam they've got the old kingdom tracks now in stock is that one you're going for i'm not listening stop trying to tempt me with these amazing toys Although, yeah, I am actually buying it. I think it looks great. <laughs> looks very tracks like. I know opinions a bit divided on that one, isn't it? But uh, but how uh, unlike tracks? <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. But uh, yeah, that that's just come into stock. So plenty of good stuff on there. Uh, third party, you know, mainline, all kinds of things. Do check it out. TFSource.com. Give them a look. We now return to the Transformers. Yeah, you can't talk about 1985 without talking about one of Transformers's most enduring concepts being sort of introduced here in the triple changes. We're all big fans of those guys, aren't we? Yeah, triple, triple power. takeover. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's where that's the name comes about. from. That's what it's all about. And uh, the title, son. Two, two, yeah, exactly. Two of the finest in 85 as well, of course. Mm, definitely. Definitely. Uh, both pretty bloody great, really, aren't they? <laughs> what else is there to say? So, actually, this was uh, really exemplified for me recently because when the last TFN, sad to say that it was the last TFN because it was a couple of years ago now, uh, but I'm sure you remember, Maz, hopefully what I'm going to say. Do you remember we got that little uh, reissue Blitzwing for a friend of ours? For TJ. Uh, for TJ, yeah. That, um, yes. Not, uh, Huge. That, that, that had never seen it before. And because uh, she's like, very young, I think like half our age, which always makes me feel ridiculously old. But I think it was just seeing her, the, the sort of joy in her face of seeing that thing for the first time ever and just how much she was kind of enamored by it. And it really just brought home for me what a clever design it is, you know, when you kind of see it through new eyes. And it's just the, even as mm -hmm. a kid, I remember being impressed with that toy with the kind of the satisfying Same. way that it things flip over and the kind of, they don't even snap into place. It's just the kind of clunk of them kind of getting to where they need to be and kind of sitting there through friction and things like that and just the joints of it. It's, it's just beautiful. Absolutely sublime engineering on that toy and really nicely done. Great color scheme too. Yeah, another one that benefited greatly from going from Diaclone to Transformers and getting a Transformers color scheme in, in very Decepticon themed, like lovely yeah. tan and purple, yeah, that, beautiful that, toy. that tan has never really been done better, has it? I remember all the no. debates about the third-party versions and things like that and uh, them trying to get that right. And uh, it's never been done better than on the original toy, in my opinion. But, uh, so much of uh, Blitzwing is on point. It's just uh, almost everything on it is... You get stuck in your memory. Just uh, the modes, the way it feels in hand. I remember the colors, uh, even his his face, the way it flips out, and how it's just like a yellow helmet, purple face, red eyes. Just really beautiful looking G one Transformer. I mean, even Lady Gaga felt the need to nick his look. <laughs> it, it was so so strong. <sighs> I've forgotten and, that. Uh, yeah, I, I remember my friend, a uh, uh, childhood friend, had Blitzwing, and uh, I was really impressed. Like I really was like, that is. I want that. You know, that is a really fun transformer. Such good modes as well. The tank looks great. The jet, yeah. okay, you know, got the boxy bits around the wings, but it looks it's great. And charm, I love that. Isn't it? it is, <laughs> and it's not just oh, it's old and crap. Isn't that charming? No, it's mm. cool. And I love that you can have the missiles in there and then still close it up for tank mode, and the missiles yeah, will stay in there. That's a good feature. It's a good feature. The, the tank is the definite highlight, I think. But yes, the jet is still excellent. Uh, it's it's not it's it's not my absolute outright favorite triple changer, but it's definitely no, up there. It's definitely yeah. up there. And it was funny because with the reissue, you can no longer remove the tank turret, but the vintage one you can. So you'll get vintage blitz wings which are missing the tank turret, and you just see that little rotating thing on the top of it. But the reissue, it's it can't be removed that way. Hmm. And uh, one thing I wish they had kept from Diaclone was that. It had a much more telescopic barrel. So, oh yeah, you, you know, you can still pull out the barrel on the Transformers yeah. one, but it was just molded to be a bit more telescoping and long, like a proper proper tank. I, I'm guessing that probably broke quite easily, which is why Hasbro decided to change the shape of it. But yeah, Blitzwing's lovely, but not the winner. Mm. Well, who, who, who are you yeah. going to say? Because mine's not even a 85 toy for my oh, well, winning triple changer. So. No, no. I mean, with for me, I think I have to go all the way to to 1988 to find my favorite triple changer. But Ast even Astro Train is for me so much more awesome than Blitzwing, and Blitzwing is already awesome. Yeah, I love Astro Train. Astro Train's great. Yeah, really. I mean, that 
is really good in all three modes. Certainly the two vehicle modes are, are stellar. Um, and and the fact they look so, so different as well. I do love the robot mode. I The arms kill me slightly with that, i got to say. Yeah, they were meant to extend, of course. And, I know, yeah. And on the prototype, you can see you can it see, as well, can't you? Can you? See yeah, yeah. Can, yeah. It's, it's a weird one. I don't know why they didn't do that. I think it would have been too fragile. I think it, rem- it reminds me a lot of Swoop's arms mm. and how fragile they feel when you extend them because they're on such thin stalks. I'm pretty sure that's what it would have been like. And of course, you know, just to rub it in further in, in all of the, the box artwork and go. the catalogs, we've got this lovely gray Astro Train. It's cartoon accurate, lovely colors, so dark purple. Nice. Yeah. yeah so I think that's beautiful. the most heartbreaking of all of the color changes they've done. I think you're right. Yeah. I think that's possibly the most heartbreaking one yeah. to see. And it's why of all the G1 prototypes that Raz owns, and he's basically got the entire line as a prototype, it's the fact that when he got that grey Astrotrain prototype, it was just like, shove everything off your desk. It was like, God damn it, you know, of course <laughs> you found that. You know, everything else you have is nothing compared to that G1 Astrotrain proto because I don't even care that it didn't transform. It's still got putty in its arms for where they attach the Blitzwing weapons to it in the catalogue. But it's just, you know, with the gold wheels as well and the the beautiful colours on the boosters. I spent hours staring at those catalogues and that yeah. was one that definitely captured my attention more than most just because of the colour of it and everything. So, uh, And then, of course, you know, we did get the, the anime Astro Train. We did. Um, but still not quite the same colours, is it? But still beautiful. That's right. It's as good as we're going to get. And, um, and of course, that would be like super tough to get now. And I, I still don't understand. Expensive. Yeah, I still don't understand why people didn't plump for it when it was advertised. But then I didn't either. Yeah, you know, I'm no, just no, all into these the things. Thing. Like, no, but I didn't go for it. Yeah. I, I, the the prices of that toy now are redonkulous. Like, I I can't even believe that it is worth what it is worth. It's just so silly in a way, you know, that, that it goes for so much, or that it's it's not even like rare. It, it pops up frequently, but it's just the fact that it I think sells it's it's actually been surpassed by the eHobby Minibots now oh, in price. For sure. I think. Yeah, the the Minibots is. Yeah, that's they are they are something else, man. I mean, I I don't know. I I saw a price that they went for recently, and I nearly fell off my chair. I was like, yeah. "What people are paying that for them now?" It's, it's but of course, who ridiculous. wouldn't want a recolored Cosmos or yeah. a recolored Warpath, a recolored Power Glide? Nineteen eighty-five, man. Warpath. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're great toys. They're great. Well, it's it, the the, the nineteen eighty-five mini bots. Dare I say, I think are better toys than the eighty-four crew generally speaking i think they they're all great i love warpath as a toy really really love it it's just my personal preference but i love power glide as a toy bizarre as the robot mode is i love it uh you know beach one of my favorites is, is great i've got the one the what i will say about beach that's kind of interesting and talking about those mini bots uh those uh e-hobby go bots um mm-hmm. is of course the the whole kind of origin of them and, and mm-hmm. the fact that they were in the catalog and those different colors because uh, yeah. you know that i've got that little red ko beachcomber that's right. um, buggy man as he's sort of called in the fiction and everything and every time i post a picture of that thing uh someone is like what a red beach coma like every single time and it creates such interest and i think it's because these are little toys that people had it's probably the same with the GoBots. you know they're little toys that everybody's familiar with they were like you know 10 a penny when you were a kid Every every bugger had them. Everyone had them. Ubiquitous, in there. as yeah. Liam likes to call them. Yes, yeah, that's a good Liam yeah. word. That's a good Liam word. But I yeah, was literally yeah. just about to say it as well. That's the <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm like, sure you were. Just yeah. gearing up. Sure you were. <laughs> but they're, they're in everybody's pocket. You know, they were just like. I mean, they, but equally, they weren't really cared for. Although they were, I'm sure they were loved. You know, they they weren't. Mm. 
looked after in that same way because they just like sat in the bottom of your school bag with all your books and stuff didn't they and then now the fact that actually you see them and they're in a completely unrecognizable color yeah i don't know i think it just makes them kind of in, intriguing to people in a little way something that's so i think, I think you've just different. described why so many transformers yeah. collectors get into diaclone and microchange it's yeah, just sure. it's that exactly yeah it's that character that you loved your whole life in a different color just new mystery new new element added to the myth of this wonderful toy you've enjoyed your whole life yeah and i know that's what it was when i saw that red beachcomber ko i mean it went for for yes next to nothing and i just saw it and was like gotta have that do you know what i mean it was so dirt cheap and then that's the, uh, that's the kind of yeah. thing i think i'd buy a ko for you know yeah. not to act as a counterfeit to fool people into buying something that they thought was vintage but something like that that's never been produced and is like well we all really wanted it, so, and now you can get a red beachcomber, and it looks great. It, it does look great. It's it's as good it's as good a quality as the official toy in this case. They're not always, but this one is, and I oh, love it. it. Triggers it's me actually, when people say that. I know it does. I know it does. In this just case, just talk to it, Liam and his poor sunstreaker KO. I mean, well, not even that's why I very still not very healed. quickly caveated it to say not always <laughs> because more often than not, yeah. I mean, I I have a a red Mirage KO, and it's crap, just terrible. I wouldn't bother with it Do you know what I mean? no they're, six oh they're as good as the vintage <laughs> every bit as good quality as the originals lies. so i've heard i i want to make it clear that that's not what i said i said this particular no. beachcomber is as yeah, good, yeah. But, uh, no i know it, it's not you i'm quoting i know so you're not just going to wait for the ko of this uh masterpiece star screen map <laughs> no. yeah because it'll be improved <laughs> right yeah be improved no, maybe does. maybe i gear will do one that's a whole other <laughs> A whole of it. Wow, that's a flash. What is it called? Yeah, it was a flash, flash from the past. Thursday, yeah, we yeah wow. Well, that was a flash from the blast. Is that what the kids say? <laughs> no, I got it slightly <laughs> wrong there. Didn't I? A flash from we the blast. We should have talked about that last week. Eye gear, shouldn't we? Yeah. Oh man. We get, yeah. Eye gear is like a whole thing unto itself, isn't it? I, I was reminding them about old uh, Nightbird doing a Nightbird article the, uh, just yesterday or the other day or whatever, and reminded myself about eye gear Nightbird. So yeah, had thought about them, but yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other topic. Triple but, changes. Um, triple changes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're back Astro on, Train. I thought we were yeah. doing. I thought we were on minibots now. I thought minibots. We were, was, but now it's Astro Train. Yeah, we talk about Astro Train. We kind of did him though, didn't we? Like train, plane. He's reversed along the tracks. That's what he's doing. Choo choo, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! I mean, beep beep. <laughs> we we ran a poll yesterday, and Liam was <laughs> voted as one of the least likely to be swearing. And look at that, unbelievable <laughs> potty mouth. These people chose my dog. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But, but no, no, there is more to say about Astro Train because it's um, it's a toy that recently got reissued by, you know, through okay. Walmart. And for the first time, it's one of those funny things where for ages, regular G1 Astro Train was just 10 a penny everywhere, no value whatsoever. And then there's the white Astro Train from Japan, which, you know, yeah. black and white. That is a beautiful toy. Totally white shuttle. Once you transform it, it's totally black in train mode fantastic that that little part of it and it had just a lovely look in robot mode as well good luck to you finding one vintage that hasn't yellowed even the reissues are yellowing now and uh, and that was really popular and then of course we got that as a reissue in the book box then we got it commemorative then we got a reissue of that in commemorative in you know another commemorative reissue of the reissue and then suddenly the white one was everywhere and then there's the e-hobby one in gray which was super popular mm-hmm. there's bootlegs of that now there's um, the platinum one. Yeah, the platinum one, which apparently, you know, for ages I th- we were 
led to believe that that was supposed to be like a callback to Mark Tackle from Land Cross, yeah, but, yeah. but, but apparently it's not. Uh, <laughs> it's not that. I never what, really what kind of bought into the idea that it was, to be honest. I thought that would have been... I, I don't know. It was like a weird one where people went, oh, it's blue, orange, and white. So it must be like Mac Tackle. And it was kind of mm. like, I don't know, like because every red Transformer is a callback to Optimus Prime. I don't know. It just it struck <laughs> me that it was just kind of a coincidental color scheme. And it, it would have been a very one... niche, niche reference. Why one part of Land Cross? Do you know what I mean? Why that? I don't know, as a, as a thing. The Blitzwing is the other... Do- is, um, flywheels. Not fly- yeah, it's flywheels, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe but, it was. But as it could have been confirmed now then that it wasn't. Oh, I don't know about confirmed, but someone did mention that it was... Because it was a, like a Hasbro Asia Platinum Edition thing, that it was based on the colours of the Chinese space programme. So maybe right. that's what that was. I think that's the story. I apologise if that's not correct. But yeah, then it was actually got to the point where the original G1 coloured Astro Train from Hasbro was the one that we hadn't seen a new version of and that was actually getting quite tricky to find in good condition because yeah. those clear plastic stickers the factory stickers on its uh vertical fin they're always peeling like yeah. you had unused ones and they were always peeling or it's discolored or something like that there's chips in the in the die cast and now the walmart one is it's lovely i mean there's a bit of a tolerance issue with the leg flaps but it's beautiful stickers are pants but it's it's a lovely way to get a G1 Astro train. It's such a lovely toy for them to have reissued. I'd love to know if like any anyone bought them for their kids and like how did they find it? Like, did they enjoy it? Or I know it's one of the very few transforms that I I showed my my wife and like check out this thing. You know, it goes from shuttle to robot to train, and she was like genuinely impressed at the at the engineering and design of that toy. The Astro train's brilliant. I love There's it. There's an intricacy to it, though, isn't there? And the same with Blitzwing. And a lot of these 1985 toys, they're very intricate compared to what you get now. And so they're still quite mind-blowing when you give it to people. It, it still feels so different to what, say, kids now expect from a Transformer, which is less steps and a lot of plastic than pesky kids. Yeah. The youth of today. <laughs> pesky uh, no, kids I, and I, I Optimus do, Primes. I do know what I mean. Astro train actually talking about that reissue. That was a funny one for me because I picked up a very minty vintage Astro train and then the uh, Walmart reissue was announced. I, I can't remember exactly how long. Within a year later, and my initial reaction was, "Of course, Do you know, <laughs> of course, this has happened." But actually, I'm still really glad to own the original. It's still lovely, and yeah, and it's I'm, different, slightly like, different yes. colours. Is yeah, slightly different, isn't it? So much uh, better stickers. Yeah, exactly. So I'm still better tolerances, to yeah, but it's still it's good that they reissued it. I think it's great that yeah. they did that because it, I'm as you really said, happy to have it. Yeah, never been reissued actually in the original toy colours. Uh, the original ridiculous gun, ridiculous gun. <laughs> yeah, overcompensating gun, which is like three times the length of his arm. That gun actually is a total pain in the watsit because how do you display it? Because if you like, you put him behind anybody, and if you want to raise the gun, it's too <laughs> long. You know, it's like shoving into the next guy's back. Uh, actually, Blitzwing is a bit the same because you either have yeah. to hold the sword out at a complete like you have to have his hand yeah. out at a right angle with the sword up, or he's holding the sword down and the sword sticks out so far that he creates a lot of those two eat a lot of shelf space. Is what I'm saying <laughs> for, for the size that they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're not big do, toys, but no. That, that's. Do you think that's a disappointing thing about them? Maybe that people were disappointed they weren't bigger, considering that they were quite a show presence. You know, like. Think about uh, the God Gambit and Triple Takeover as episodes. And, uh, you know, the, the Triple Changes were a big part of that. And, you know, Astro Train was supposed to be 
freaking enormous, you know. But um, the toy's I think, tiny. I think it's one that, yeah, I think people laugh about a bit, even now, because it's 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 toys like him. And I guess the other one is, I mean, it's 86, but it's it's the Stunticons I often see um, cited as an example of like, oh, look at how small they are. Because, you know, people compare Motormaster to Optimus Prime and yeah, they're not yeah, the same sure. size. You know, and the cars are so much smaller than the Autobot cars. So yes, the, I would say Astro Train is on that list of very pertinent examples that people can remember being a little bit disappointed about in terms of the size, for sure. Yeah, it's not even remotely in the same ballpark as even Starscream and Thrust and that kind of thing. And that design was probably slated for Diaclone, but it was not a triple changer. There's been like a prototype found of um, a robot that turns into the train without the shuttle, shuttle mode. White and black, I believe it was as well. So it was something that would have been planned for Diaclone and came to fruition mm. uh, through Transformers. Yeah, and I'm so glad that it did. Yeah, so uh, just a shame that we didn't get the other the other triple changeover. Uh, cha- changeover? Tri- triple changeover, <laughs> what I'm at about. I'm going on, off on some weird tangent with words today. Um, but yeah, so interesting translation from the original toy line, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting you did say, just to go back quickly, about being disappointed, because I remember being disappointed by them being small. I was going to say that earlier, but that was, that was a, my first reaction to them when I got them as kids, as a kid, should I say. Was that I just felt they were very small in my hands. Not that they were small compared to the TV, just they felt so small in my hands. Even even compared to Minibots, which are obviously smaller, there's just something about them that felt really intricate and delicate. It so did you... This weird. So do you have like a, a disappointing experience? Like that's your memory of those toys from childhood? No, because I grew to like them. Uh, Blitzwing less so because he fell apart really fast. Like his mm. turret just vanished and bits snapped off and... I think one, I think the sword handle snapped in his hand, which meant he just got relegated to the back of everything for years. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was I my, think the wingtips come off really easily on on that as well. They stress and bend. Even on my tips. vintage one I've got now, the wingtips are bent. Yeah, I think my reissue has a bent wingtip as well. The Takara book reissue, which strangely didn't have a rub sign, it was a weird omission. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. It, so yeah, and that's actually quite a, um, a desirable reissue. I don't know, did they just produce very few of the book box collection Blitzwings? Because it's it's one of the higher priced ones, that one and a uh, Hound. You know, they're just really expensive compared to the other book box ones, which are far more available. And of course, it didn't get like a Hasbro reissue Blitzwing, did it? And neither did Hound. Mm, there you go. One more little tidbit to add about triple changes in the US. They did a, I think they did like, I don't know if it's right to call it a market test, but in one region, they were released with poster boxes in 1986. So you got Astro Train and Blitzwing with the poster box, which is really weird to see on a 1985 toy. So if you do have like a poster box, Astro Train or Blitzwing, and, and a mate of mine did have one recently and he was just selling it. I was like, mate, that's actually quite a toughie. I remember he, um, he rapidly took it off sale after that so that's quite a fun thing to look out for if your astro train or blitzwing g1 box has a poster box in the yellow triangle in the corner so uh two of the most ubiquitous transformer toys of the time <laughs> were the jump starters did we all have those as kids i did i don't think i did no Twin I twist. Think I did. yeah and top spin I don't think I did. I, again, I'm pretty sure uh, someone at school did or, or whatever, because I do remember them. But um, 
they, they, those two as toys, they never really captured my attention, if I'm honest. They didn't for many people, did they? Because they're two of the like, least desirable and they're not ones that people really go back to. I'll tell you what, though. Look at them today. Get uh, two mint examples of those two with all the chrome. And they're actually really lovely. I actually, yeah. it's funny we mentioned TJ earlier with the Blitzwing. I gave TJ my vintage Topspin and Twin Twist. And she loved them because they were the wreckers on her shelf. I think this was before the Titans Return versions came out. Um, or maybe simultaneously because those two, like especially Twin Twist, is a total, total mare to find. But now you look at them and you know they are so vintage looking. Also, Diaclone toys. And you can find uh, Twin Twist and Topspin with early sticker versions that say D-A-R on yeah, their stickers, Diaclone Attack that. Robo. So I've, always, I've looked for those for ages. And in the UK... Loads of people would have had red-faced ones, which were the Mexican variety yeah, yeah, yeah. of uh, jump starters. But they actually look really cool today, just because you know most of the robots on your G1 shelf are going to be standing static and you know straight. The don't, number of car parts hanging off. Yeah, don't get me wrong. <laughs> right. I think I think they are they are robot designs that you appreciate a little bit more as an adult, actually. Funnily enough, just because I mean, uh, particularly like Twin Twist and Top Spin, actually, both of them have got absolutely classic g1 head sculpts for the ages mm, like they're really yes. nicely Fantastic. blocky designs really cool um great looking robots very attractive uh, robot designs and and there's a bit of fun to be had with them as well i don't know there was just something about them as, as a kid that just didn't kind of grab me at the time I, for whatever reason um i didn't see the same value in them yeah look at what they had to compete with the the innocence of you in 1985 mm. oh, well exactly yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> So loads of chrome on them, loads of yeah. lovely chrome. If you if you get a nice one today, they're, especially well, top spins, little. I was going to say they're definitely toys. A bit like we were saying once about Retgar and stuff like that. Definitely toys that benefit from getting a, a nice minty copy. If you get a worn yeah. one, and there are plenty of worn jump starters mm-hmm. out there, um, you know, normally in big lots and whatever, aren't they? But uh, then they they don't look so good. But um, yeah, if you've got ones with minty chrome and all of that, perfect. But there, there is an element to them as well, not looking like actual Transformers, particularly at that time, because they mm. look so different. They don't have Earth modes, and they don't transform in the same way. There's something about them. They look very simple, and they've got this just very sci-fi robot look, don't they? Whereas most of Transformers like were bits of cars or jets or whatever, but that's what they look like, whereas these don't look anything like that. They look yeah. completely removed from anything else in the toy line. I actually think it's kind of funny, the jump starters now, because, you know, there are people snobby people who um who mention uh you know early transformers versus late transformers i think this we touched on in a previous episode as well but uh, you know we're saying how there are people that would view only the early years of transformers as anyway anything halfway decent you know and everything from kind of 86 stroke 87 particularly onwards was just crap and you know people can be very dismissive of some of the headmaster designs and things like that but actually uh, you know, and I've even seen people saying it was all the stuff from Diaclone and what have you that was good. But then you have these two guys that are Diaclone toys, so they mm-hmm. come, they have the same uh, pedigree as any of the Carbots or anything, and yet they have some of the most kind of made-up Cybertronian modes you can think of, and some of the blockiest designs, and and they sit very comfortably in that same toy line along stuff like you know Sideswipe and and whatever else. And I just think that they right. they kind of buck that trend a little bit. Yeah, yeah, they are from the previous like sci-fi area, be like yeah. power dasher kind of look, yeah. kind of thing. They're even left out the cartoon as well, aren't they? They don't appear in there. No, never. But they're they're in the in the comic again. They fit in, uh, particularly Twin Twist. Uh, it's quite memorable um, in in the comic 
um, you know, it's one of the wreckers and stuff. But um, that, that's so funny because that's two groups of collectors that begrudgingly had to add G1 to and Twist and Topspin to their collection shelves. Like, if you wanted a complete collection of Diaclone based toys, you had to have it. If you wanted a complete collection of like comic based wreckers, you had to have them. And if you just wanted G1 1984 and 85 that some people just adore, you had to have them. I wonder how many people begrudgingly had to buy these jump starters, but it's not like they're expensive. So. No, it's true. It's true. And they're not toys you expect to ever see reissued either, are they? So there's, but yeah. they're not valuable at all. It's really strange. It's, there's just this weird sort of cloud that hangs over them. They're almost I, like I, the forgotten yeah. black sheep of the Transformers. It's true. I do sometimes look at some of the, you know, kind of the, the different colored versions and things out there from different countries and stuff. Different Saltman Z. I was going to say Saltman Z is, uh, Saltman Z is the one that often catches my eye. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. That's from Antex in Argentina, isn't it? Yeah, it is. One yeah. day. That's, that's one for another day. It's not one for... And it's salt for somersault, okay. not like salt, you know. That actually had never occurred to me why yeah. that was, but that's kind of made me like it even more, I think. Were you fans of the motorized gimmicks as a kid? Because this is going to tie into what we're going to talk about next. It, it, it was something I wanted as a child. I think my friend bought Topspin, and I decided, well, that means I have to buy Twin Twist. So yeah. I, I bought it on that basis and it's the same thing the same reason i bought battle charges like my cousin bought runabout and i thought well i'll get runamuck then and it was yeah th- those gimmicks obviously appealed i mean like you say they're ubiquitous they turn up in all the collections every yeah. bugger had one <laughs> you know what i mean why do i feel like we're going to come on to omega supreme in a minute oh no not yet that's a little bit later but i was just going to say with with these guys it's good that you mentioned the battle charges so i was just going to say because they're really well remembered but they're also equally simple and you know they're not the best looking, but they they're far more popular than mm. the jump starters. Whereas if you look at the jump starters robot modes, they to me they they look far prettier. They are much prettier. Yeah, much yeah, nicer but- sculpting. The chrome looks beautiful on them. The stickers are colourful, even though they have pretty pants stickers as G one goes. The gimmick holds up better as well. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So, do you think it is that having the Earth alt yes, mode of the must battle be. charges that makes people think this is a real transformer? Whereas you sort of look at the jump starters and they're more discountable. Yeah. Also, look at the colours on Runabout. Yeah. It's like a whole different ball game. And of course, when they're, they're appearing in the comics as well, isn't it? It's another thing. Mm. And the cartoon. They were in the cartoon. Oh, yeah, they're in there, aren't they? Yeah. One episode, I think it was. Mm. So, but before we get to Omega Supreme, though, should we talk about the Autobot mini cars being repackaged with what did they come with, Maz? Mini spies, mini spies, <laughs> friendly neighbourhood, mini spies, bankrupt me. And you were going to get onto it eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Motorized Transformers, I believe they were marketed as originally. This section is going to be called Maz Monologues on Mini Spies, I think. Shall I make it quick? We should just <laughs> make Maz it, as, before make it as long as you want, mate. We can always edit it down. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was only because of the great Cybertronian write-off we were doing last year that you know this was going to be a gap in our run of items, and I thought, well, well let me get a Mini Spy. I mean, surely they you know can't be that many. Mini can't, spy. Yeah, can't be that bad. Cue horror orchestral music when I found out the scale of this task. And there's some of the toys that have held up. It's funny, the motorized gimmick has held up brilliantly over yeah. the years, but the plastic just like 99% discolored. Even um, the, the blue ones, all of them, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, oh, the blue yeah. ones, like the white ones are dreadful. Yeah, the white find. ones are bad. Yeah, yeah. But the blue ones are bad because you think you're buying a good one. And, I'll, and I this week, actually, I received one where I'd asked the seller, can you please check if it's discolored? It's absolutely fine, mate. It's mint. Received it. No, 
<laughs> the top half of the car is dark blue. The arms are a different blue. It's clearly discolored. At least with the white ones, you can tell if it's discolored just by looking at it by itself. Whereas the blue ones, you have to compare to another blue one, yes. really, to kind of right. okay, unless it's extreme. Then, then, and they're kind of green, and then you can tell. Although, although, wasn't there the the eBay auction oh. for the? <laughs> For the God the hyper rare green hyper, version, hyper rare green mini spy, ten thousand dollars. Yeah, ten thousand. It was four figures. Yeah, it was thousands. I remember it was thousands. Hyper rare green mini spy, and it was yeah. just some you know, seller on eBay having a giraffe. Frankly, I mean, that was amazing. But yeah. the, did you see that um, Grimlock as well? That um, the half and half, that rare half and half. Yeah, <laughs> half grey, half. Orange or whatever it was, Grimlock, half gold Grimlock. <laughs> and it was just clearly sun damage, like down the one side. But they were trying to sell it for a packet, an absolute packet. And uh, yeah, it was absolutely maybe chuckled to death that did. I was laughing about that for weeks. Oh, just the absolute brass neck on some of these uh, sellers. A village somewhere is missing its idiot. Oh, well, they, they know what they're doing. They know yeah. what they're doing. The, if you buy it, that's, you know, that's the problem, isn't it? But um <laughs> The devastator wrecking balls on this guy. It's good for him. Someday I'm going to write an article (laughs) on the the funniest eBay auctions I've ever seen, honestly. And those two have got plenty of material for you. Oh, God, so many, so many. But yeah, um, the, yeah, the the blue mini spies, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, there was, there's two that I've got, and the one I thought was fine, but it's comparing the two, and then suddenly you're like, ah, yeah, the ones you got from me were good, though, weren't they? The the ones I got from you were, were good. Yes, you have vetted them. Snow covered. Yeah, I think I I can't even imagine how many I've had in the last uh, year and a half. But what's interesting is the color of the mini spy depends on which character it was sold with. So it's interesting to see like the white mini spies were sold with Bumblebee and um, Cliffjumper. And the blue ones were sold with Huffer and I think Windcharger. And then the yellow ones come with Brawn and Gears. Uh, that might not be 100% correct from memory, but they the specific colors do come with specific minibots. So you look at, um, I think the most common mini spy of all of them is the yellow buggy, the yellow dune buggy. So you can kind of see like that must be like people buying, well, you know, whatever it was, Brawn and, and Windcharger or Brawn and Gears the most. So white ones are quite, and I, and I wonder if people had already bought like Bumblebee and Cliffjumper for their kids in 1984. So they would buy that toy less in, in 1985 when they came packaged with the mini spies. And so there are fewer of the white um, mini spies around. And it's funny, but the one I'm struggling to find the most is the blue uh, FX1. So there's an FX1 Mazda, uh, there was a Porsche, uh, there was a Jeep and a Dune buggy. And these were originally Takara Mecha Warriors or Mecha Senshi sold in really beautiful little plastic boxes that were clear all the way around point of sale items you know super cheap i think I've, the price tag i have on mine says 480 yen it's just like cheap as chips and they were sold in blue and red with stickers and they had loads of cool stickers on them and they were really lovely but for hasbro all they got was rub signs and that was like the rub sign thing you know that, which that allegiance from, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah right what allegiance is your little motorized transformer and then they like called it adop- adopted the name mini spies for them but those are great. And it's nice to have like the card with the price tag on it, the Transformers one. It's like $3.95 or something. And it's like a lovely mini bot and a cool mini spy on it as well. Those would have been great. would have hoovered they're, them up. They're great toys. Day. I mean, they actually make the mini bots look big, don't they? That's the funny yes. thing about them. They're, they're so tiny. I don't think I was prepared for how yeah. small they actually are. They're just so minuscule. 
uh, mini spies is right but um yeah really, we still really have cool. rubber tires yeah, yeah great really really cool and really intricate little designs as well cool mm. gimmick uh little old motorized gimmick uh, I, I love them I think they're great do like the look of the stickered up um diaclone yeah they're, they're really nice not really, diaclone really nice. not diaclone why did i say no. diaclone but, most um, people do refer to them as, as diaclone it's no, just like the catch-all no, term for pre-transformers these days no, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely right just a slip of the tongue but no do really like the look of the, the stickered ones though i think they look um, really really beautiful yeah they had like window stickers and everything like blue window stickers stripes on the car just little vent details on it's amazing to think that so much would have gone into such yeah. tiny toys and they got mm. animation models for the commercials didn't they as well they correct did. yeah, they did. yeah <laughs> which that is wild cool. they weren't yeah. sold outside of america were they the mini canada Canada. Had them in Canada as well. Uh, Japan had the pre-Transformers versions. And then there was, you get ones that are stamped Koma. And they were sold in other Asian countries. And they come in really wild colors, like pink and really dark blue. And then one of them has a head sculpt that just, it looks like other Transformers characters. You can just tell that. And like the, the theory behind it is really weird. No one really knows what the deal is with them because Koma is not necessarily a company name. It's a type of toy. It's like that motorized toy. And uh, it was like the whole Matsushiro thing we talked about with Bandai toys, like releasing Jetfire or Macross Valkyries in other countries under other brands. It's thought that maybe Takara did this with another company name just to be able to sell these toys cheaply, but not have it, affect the image of the company by selling super cheap versions with slightly cheaper plastic in other markets so you know they're sold as kits or they're sold as pre-assembled like the mini spies and they are supremely rare i've seen three in my entire collecting time and you get like the case box for hasbro and it says transformers minibots with coma car and that coma doesn't mean company coma but it means the type of car that it comes with which is the little motorized mini mini spies and credit to like the collectors who have just dug this information up. This is nothing I've had anything to do with highlighting. It's just red stuff that other people have discovered through through buying rare toys and, and digging into the past. Okay, so one of the most popular groups in all of Transformers are the Dinobots. And it's 1985 where they first appear. So we're all big fans of Dinobots as well, aren't we? Absolutely. Yeah. Love those toys. Love them. A bit iffy oh, on them, to be honest. No, what? what? No, get out. I, I was totally uninterested in them as a kid. Like, I would walk past Grimlock and Sludge and Snarl and all these, like, slag. Even as an adult collector, I really wanted Swoop. But I- I've never liked the G1 Grimlock toy. I'm still handling it today. It feels like a bootleg to me. It's so light and... Yeah, I just I can't get on board with how weird it looks. Um, I am sure. Snarl, Snarl and Sludge are fantastic. Sorry, just go back a step. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm just not into G1 Grimlock at all. Liam, two-person podcast from now on, yeah? Yeah, I'll I was going to say, shall we just out, close his window and mute his mic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's done. I was going to cut off his feed, I think, honestly. That's just... The, the double trouble takeover. Uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't... What? Yeah, just it's like really uh, flimsy feeling, and the stickers they scuff really easily. All right, I just the stickers don't are like not. his arms. Yeah. His don't legs like his kind arms. of feel hollow. No, just don't like his no, arms. I just don't like his silly tiny little head in the middle of this sea what? of chest. No, I just don't like it. But compare it's it to Snarl. Yeah, an amazing head sculpt. 
Yes, <laughs> yeah, it just gets lost even more. Then it's a little. No, it's blinging all in the middle blinging. of it. No, I don't like it. You're, don't like you're it. wrong. That's you're... all right. It's a wrong opinion. It's one of those alternate, <laughs> yes, exactly. it's an alternate yes. opinion. It's a it's just a wrong opinion. Okay, this so is then... the classic segment. Mazza's wrong opinions. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's becoming a weekly thing. <laughs> I'm shook. Genuinely shook. Yeah, no. The first experience of a Dinobot I had was it was the first Transformer I bought as a as an adult collector. I was uh, 18 years old. Went down to Croydon because I found out there was a collector store in Croydon that sold old Transformers. And I uh, picked up what ended up being a Mexican version of Snarl. And I was just utterly blown away by this toy. I remember bringing it home as an 18-year-old and my mum and dad going, what, what are you doing? What are you buying toys again for? Like, why did you buy that? And it was like £30, which nowadays, like for a boxed G1 Snarl, you'd be like, wow. <laughs> but at the time, like, what are you doing? And it was beautiful. What a head sculpt. Wicked transformation. Loads of chrome. Heavy die cast. It's actually quite floppy toy when you extend the legs from the waist, even yeah. on a really nice new one. It's really floppy. The, the waist is always a, a thing, but isn't it? The way his tail folds outwards to create those shoulder wings with the spikes on it, it's one of the most beautiful overall shapes on a G1 toy I've ever seen. And it, it's, a, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous toy. I love G1 Snarl. And I love his uh, Stegosaurus mode. And I always dismissed Sludge because I thought it was, I've only ever handled crap condition sludges. And I got a mint one this year, and I'm just like, now I'm beginning to wonder if maybe Sludge is my favourite Dinobot because that Sludge, is so a Sludge beautiful is, toy. Sludge is my f- personal favourite. I had that, kid. What what a I had that kid as a kid. Love it. Absolutely what love a head one. sculpt! Yeah, oh, amazing beautiful. head sculpt. Amazing Dino mode. Love the transformation. Love the way mm-hmm. that the wings kind of fold in to make the body. All of that. I just think it's sublime. Love it. Love Possibly the, way the, the worst up. stickers ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was going to say, I'm with you. So joking aside, on all your you know, wrong opinions and whatever. <laughs> some of it, some of it does resonate, and I will. They're not perfect toys by any means, and the stickers is a is a legitimate gripe. I, I um, recently acquired, well, I say recently, over a period of years, I acquired uh, a set of very nice Dinobots, and uh, I love them. But the stickers are terrible, absolutely dreadful. They they continue to peel off. They're the mm. ones that I, I have subbed some for rep labels just because. It was just impossible. Honestly, they were just like the number of times you go over to the cabinet or whatever, and like some of them have just come off completely. Oh, yeah. The, um, the, the yeah. ones that go on sludges, chrome, the curved yeah, part. On, oh, they're just useless. Absolutely, yeah, abominable. So that's a real disappointment with those toys. Um, and they do wear quickly. And actually, I will say with Grimlock, mm. there are some molding imperfections and things on areas of that toy. It's not quite as uh, well put together, I would say, as other mm. examples in that subline. Uh, and Snarl is probably a good example of that as one that is like one of the best made. But it's a bit like Swoop. It feels more fragile. Um, I think Grimlock. Yeah. Um, and actually Slag has various areas of fragility as well. I mean, like there's a lot of slags out yeah, there. Yeah, I think that tail legs. is supposed to stay up. Like, Yeah, yeah. 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 I think like, his tail is supposed to stay up behind his back, isn't it? But it's just yeah. always just sags. Yeah. yeah. God, I remember being so impressed by that toy, though, when I got it as a kid, like, the slag it was just mm. became one of the the at that age one of the best things i'd ever owned because it was just i think it was the first dino but i got and it was just such a sight to see those toys same i'd seen them in the cartoon but seeing the toys because they're so different mm. they're so shiny and yeah, that gray the chrome under the clear gray. plastic yeah. yeah there's one thing i will say about those toys is that clear plastic uh you know the, the kind of robotic detailing and everything just absolutely blew my mind as a kid just loved it it just added a, a real kind of feeling uh, like a real drama to them somehow 
that the even though they look cool with the solid gold in the cartoon, I just always thought that they looked really, really nice. And it's probably why a lot of Grimlock toys over the years, you know, new versions have sort of sought to replicate that look. Uh, you know, even stuff like the Masterpiece toy and uh, and whatever, you know, that they really kind of go after that. Because I think for a lot of people that grew up in the 80s, that was a real kind of signature thing for those, for those yeah. toys. I think missing that was a, a big part of why I wasn't too fussed about Dinobots. Because I never had them as kids, so I'd missed all of that detailing. Oh, see, that was always like one of the most wonderful parts. It's all the technical detailing. It just, it was like you were seeing the insides, you know, like the inner mm. workings of the robots and stuff. Like how that scene in uh, Transformers the movie where Megatron gets reformatted is oh, yeah. Yeah. exciting because you see all oh, the yeah, cogs yeah. and gears and stuff. And that's Lovely. what it was always like with the Dinobots. But um, the Studio exactly Series right. 86 toy, it's painted gold, but it, it has all that clear detail underneath if you strip the paint off. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's so weird. That's, it's probably there for some future yeah. repaint, but but yeah, people have stripped the paint off and it's all there. It's popped up in promo pics early on as well, so that's how people knew it was there. I, do you know, it's funny, because now that you mentioned that, I remember thinking, was there something I saw with the Studio Series version that had right. that? And then I was thinking, yeah. oh, but it's but it's opaque, so I'm, I, I don't know where I would have got that from. But how weird. Yeah, it must be for a later version or whatever. Yeah, It's funny um, because like once I know that, it's like, as much as I love the Studio Series version, I'm a little bit disappointed it's got that gold paint to make it look more like the cartoon. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, at the risk of saying it, and, and it'll be an unpopular thing to say, I'm sure, for a lot of people now, but I do like that Studio Series toy a lot. Like, I do like mm-hmm. it a lot. But uh, and and it looks great in robot mode. Less keen on the dino mode, but that's you know that's my thing. But I do think that the finish of it, I don't know, it, it shows a lot of kind of where some of the G one toys why they look so special. You know, just because of the chrome, that yeah. all of that robotic detailing yeah. that you're talking about, the die cast, it's kind of the obvious thing to say. Uh, not so much of it in the Dinobots, obviously, but you know some here and there. But um, I don't know versus something that is just kind of plastic and very bare plastic gray finish with lots of joint you know joints and things like that it's um it's a really nice toy don't get me wrong but it just shows how different uh a lot of the the modern toys are versus what happened in g1 uh and, and you know again i think the i mean it's a whole other topic but i just remember seeing the earthrise ironhide and comparing it to the original ironhide and i've no doubt that many many people will prefer the design of the the new toy because it's got a head first of all and things like that but just you the the finish on the toys back then the finish on a vintage g1 ironhide is spectacular the paint yeah. the chrome the rubber mm-hmm. the the you know die cast all of that and i just think that there's there's a reason that people remember that era of toys very fondly we were just talking about the insecticons i don't think they've been bettered since g1 they're either yeah. an absolute yeah. nightmare to transform if it's a masterpiece scale one or they're just, you know, looking at the Titans Return kickback. That was a really pretty toy and a really fun toy, but it, it wasn't a G1 kickback. It didn't have the chrome, didn't have that solid feel to it, lovely translucent parts. No, it's just, it was a perfect microcosm of everything that's great about toys of that era, looks wise. Those mm, insects yeah. on the Dinobots, so it, to some of them, are the same. There's a thing that's particularly prevalent in the Dinobots where there's this almost feel like luxury when you go back to them now compared to what you have. Like, if you look at the Masterpiece Grimlock, it feels like all of those qualities elevated and, mm. like, taken onto like, the next logical step. Whereas if you look at mainline toys like Power of the Primes and Studio Series, it feels like they've stripped a lot of those out to go to add in articulation. It feels yep. like they've gone in a different way. And, I don't know, there's just this feeling of luxury. It's like with Slag like having the die-cast metal and, you know, the toys where they've got those... It's yeah. just this 
And they're so well articulated for the time as well, the Dinobots, particularly the Dinobots. Yeah, stuff like Sludge is um, is pretty so decent. Like, knees. Yeah. Rare yeah. G1 Transformers with knees. Well, that's the thing is, we've all owned G1 Swoop now. Yeah. And G1 Swoop was the legendary figure for ages, and it's still top tier kind of thing that people go after first. I remember there's a guy who shows up to TF Nation who always goes up to the Space Bridge and asks, you got a G1 Swoop this year? And he's like, no, don't have one yet. He's just waiting to buy one at the show instead of just buying one online. Right. But it's obviously... Top, and you know, Liam, you were saying a few episodes ago how that was your holy grail, G1 Swoop. So we all owned it now with all that billing that it's got. What do you guys think of G1 Swoop? It still takes my breath away every time I see it. But I don't know how much of that is that whole story of getting it and the sort of the nostalgia, mm-hmm. that all the memories that come with that. But even just now, if I glance around and I see it, it's what my eyes go to straight away. There's something so special about it because it feels so different from the rest of the Dinobots too because it's so much smaller and more fragile mm-hmm. it's it's a completely different experience in every way so it yeah really it is. wasn't like when I first got it it wasn't like revisiting the Dinobots just another one because they're all very similar otherwise mm-hmm. this just felt like something completely different and like I had no other frame of reference for ever yeah it's very different to the other four I think being honest the first time I got it and opened it I was I don't know if disappointed is the word, but certainly I was a bit... I was not as overwhelmed with it as I thought I might be. Who's spouting the wrong opinions now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I knew I was going to come in for a bit of that. He was just waiting for it. Look, don't get me wrong. I wasn't expecting that at all. I really wasn't. No, okay, so to kind of quantify it, I think it's my own fault for kind of building up the expectation in my head a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Because it was the only Dinobot of the five that I'd never seen in toy form. And as you said, it's got this very legendary status, you know, of being an incredible thing and all of that. And and I loved the original, the original, the, the other four Dinobots that I had had. I loved them. Uh, and so for me, and, and I got Swoop first. So on this hunt of the Dinobots, I got it first. And it was the one that I had kept in box, you know, whilst I hunted down the other four. And so it was always the one that I was like, oh, yeah, I've got that Swoop in that box. Yeah, I'm going to come to it eventually, going to come to it eventually. And it was a, a process of, a couple of years actually of hunting them down snarl was a real uh, bugger to find actually so i think and i and i did swoop um last so i kind of kept it as like the the cherry on top if you will uh, so i think by the time i got to it i was just the, the expectation level had sort of been raised to sort of i suppose unmeetable standards and so in that regard the first time i looked at it i was kind of like huh okay it hasn't rocked my world in the way that maybe i was anticipating it was going to do you know what i mean but that said on a sort of second or third or whatever glance it was i started to kind of fall in love with it a lot more and kind of come to appreciate what it is about the the there is still some major downers for me on that toy it's hugely fragile as we know um it's hard to stand at times in Mm -hmm. robot mode um so that's the thing uh you know just numerous things like that that kind of fight against it a little bit so it's definitely not a perfect children's toy by any means no no uh, no no no, no. V- not in the slightest uh, yeah but yeah. it's, it's even some adults thing. need to be very careful about oh yeah 100 yeah, yeah, be careful yeah. as anything with it honestly uh you know the stickers are the same as all the other dinobots you know not great um but it's still yes i agree a very very handsome thing and i love mine yeah, that, that clear beak is yeah. really cool. And uh, the thing is, oh, sorry to keep bringing this up. It's like uh, I handled the Diaclone swoop once 
uh, it was just I borrowed it to take photos, and it was amazing how much more the swoop effect hits you with that toy versus the Transformers swoop. Because it doesn't have the massive bobble on the end of the beak for safety, yeah. so it's just got the pointed clear. And then the bottom half of the beak is chrome. It's gold chrome with all that detailing in it, and it's gorgeous. And then when the chest opens up, it's got a landing gear with an actual rolling wheel. Yeah. It doesn't just have that plastic molded wheel. And it's got um, chrome dino feet as well with wheels on, not just a molded shape. So it's actually like it's a, a functional toy in that respect. But that was even more fragile than the Transformer swoop. And uh, it's got the pointy wings as well, no safety rounded features. But yeah, like I remember being really impressed with G1 swoop. Just, I thought it was gorgeous. Lovely, loved his weapons. Like he's got like rocket launchers you stick yeah. on his wings. The launchers or, are cool. you know, you, I thought it was gorgeous. He's the only one that doesn't come with a gun, but then you can just plonk the rocket launcher in his hand. Yeah, yeah. You and can. he's got his sword. Oh, I love Sweet. I, I, I can't I believe do, it's been so long since I've owned a G1 Sweet. I do, no, I do love it. Decade. I do love it. I do love it. Don't get me wrong. I think in terms of the Dinobots, it, I definitely couldn't say it's my favorite for sure. I think Sludge is hard to beat for me uh, and Slag I really like as well. Um, so yeah, I think those two for me are, are definitely my favorites. Um, and then probably, I don't know, probably Swoop and Grimlock might vie sort of towards the end i don't know but but still you're talking about five excellent toys that i love so it's not really like yeah. which is worst it's just kind of which is you know less my favorite i suppose man i've still never owned all five dinobots at the same time i've it's still never had the set together it's, it's, it's a real incredible experience it. it's great yeah it's 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 a it was a collecting moment for me for sure just getting all five of them in box was was fantastic as it was seeing all five of them out of box was something else i I need to buy a replacement snarl because mine he's broken it's one of his little spring-loaded feet that's kind of the hinges easy toy to break easy toy to break yeah yeah very easy toy to break a lot but all five of them are really you know they're, they're none of them sludge maybe uh is probably the most durable i guess of that set um but you know they all they all have things that can go very easily wrong with them you could probably crush them in your hand if you're not, if not too careful with them so uh, it is what it is like a like a beast wars randy just yes crush that <laughs> i sent you that video in your hands yeah. there's a little beast wars follow-up for yeah so, so yeah. for yeah the purposes of the uh, general audience i sent maz a video of, of there's a youtube video of this dude just crushing a randy in his hand uh, which I, I just found <laughs> equal parts hilarious and horrifying, I think. But, yep. uh, I mean, you can still buy that toy for like 10 quid sealed. So, you know, I guess have at it, you know, get yourself a whole <laughs> bunch of randies. That's where it should stay. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're just going to pick it up and crush it. But uh, but still, I, I feel like he was doing a bit of a service with demonstrating GPS at least. So, hey-ho. <laughs> There were a couple of other toys I was just going to mention quickly that I think uh, we kind of touched on briefly earlier, Perceptor and um, and Blaster as well. We've not really given too much time to, but I just want to say that I love both of those toys and uh, mm. obviously both micro-change. Fantastic toys. But yeah, but mm. really, really fantastic toys, both of them. And I um, didn't have either of them until fairly recently and they were always toys that I coveted. Um, and characters that I loved as well. I mean, Blaster 
was super cool in the cartoon, but super mm-hmm. prominent in the comic as well, where he was actually like a real uh, a real badass in the comic, like a real kind of like um, Johnny Rebel type character. And uh, very, very cool. And uh, yeah, the toys have not disappointed in the least. Just both of those, I think, are superb. Blaster is humongous as well. Nothing compared to <laughs> for how sizable that toy is. Ridiculous. Yeah, I've, I first experienced Blaster as the eHoppy Twincast, which I only bought like two, three years ago. Uh, the oh, reissue. Was that first time? That was the first time I handled it. And uh, man, it's fantastic. It is yeah. one of the only toys I will go up to my G1 cabinet and just grab out of the cabinet and play with because it's so great to handle. Yeah. Super fun to transform. Like you said, mahoosive. I have the, uh, I showed my, my boy the eHobby Shattered Glass Blaster. Um, Oh, maybe like a, a couple of months ago or something. And uh, it was hilarious because he was like, what does he transform into? And I was like, ah, oh, well, I'll show you. Knowing full well that it was going to be like, <laughs> what is that? Do you know what I mean? And I, I think he just thought it was like a box or something. And then, I, but, but he was super entertained by the fact that you could press a button in the dude's chest and then like a little rhino pops out and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, he loved all of that uh, kind of gimmick. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, very fun, but definitely perplexing for for a kid today. Oh, for He's sure. always reminded me of that Fisher Price tape deck that, yes. like almost everyone I know had it, had as a kid <laughs> in the eighties with the big chunky buttons, yeah, massive handle. It, <laughs> that's why like he's that always reminded it, me of an exasketch. It's like the two go sort of hand in hand. Yes, yes, that's what he is. It's yeah. an etch a sketch. He really is. You can imagine like an exasketch former, couldn't you? That'd be quite a cool thing to see. But uh, Blaster is of that ilk. How sad is it that we never got that VHS tape? Transform with all the toys that made us. Oh, that would have been just marvelous. That would have been. That would have been. I think what's also funny though about Blaster is that, of course, none of the cassettes came out in 1985, and that they were all uh, Transformers creations. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think didn't we ascertain, or or someone we know ascertained that? Yes, yeah. That uh, the eject um, wasn't it? Eject eject was the very first toy designed for. Well, maybe not designed, but produced for Transformers. Or no, actually designed, wasn't it? The the patent or whatever that he he was talking about. I can't remember. Um, In 1985, that that he got the patent numbers or something. I can't remember the story. We'll need to look it up for the 86 episode, I'm sure. But um, yeah, it's just funny that obviously they released Mm. Blaster, no cassettes, but with the functionality to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, because of the, the kind of cassette gimmick that it was stripped out and everything from MicroChange. Um, so, yeah, kind of funny. Yeah, well, when MicroChange had the working AM radio, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did. So it was a working AM radio for MicroChange with a thing that you put in there and it came with like headphones, earphones and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, the, the radio was, in, totally the, was in the little kind of cassette piece, essentially, mm. wasn't it? And uh, not in the toy itself. Right. Uh, although it did have electronics was stuff. The f- Blaster was the first Transformer I bought when I discovered eBay. It was the very first one because I didn't have it as a kid. Cause it, I don't think it was released over here, was it? No, not over here. No. So it was the it was the very first Transformer I actually went back to get specifically. Yeah, I think that's 1985. It's just those those yeah. were the first toys I looked up as well. I needed a Ramjet. Bought it from Digital Toys Online. It was my first online purchase. First eBay purchase was Shockwave because I wanted a 1985 Shockwave. First toy I bought in person was Snarl. It's just, yes, 1985 all over was like so many toys, loads of which we never had, prominent in the cartoon and for you guys in the comic. Yeah. And it's like, need to track these toys down as an adult collector. They've definitely been some of my favorite toys to collect. I mean, finally getting, uh, you know, Jetfire, obviously we talked about, just sublime. Oh, finally, finally getting a Shockwave 
Um, mm. And that for me was just a legendary collecting moment, you know, just opening that thing. I remember talking to you about it so much prior to purchase because mm. you've been through the mill a little bit trying to find a, a decent one. Um, and, you know, finally. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Oh my Sorry God. to bring it up, but. Uh, I- I'm happy to talk about it. I, I think I'm ready. The tragedies of Maz. This is what we this should have a regular shockwave. segment. Yeah. I, I love Shockwave as well. What, what a wonderful looking Transformer is. Yeah, it's bigger than every combiner you own, but who cares when it's <laughs> that good? It And yeah, I, I owned a Shockwave like a couple of times uh, in my early collecting. They were all great. Like most G1 Transformers were in 1999 and 2000. They weren't falling apart like they are today. Uh, and then, yeah, I found this not just any shockwave, but this Milton Bradley release shockwave, loose, of course. But some dude had it in his garage in France for all these years and bought it on release. And it's just sitting in his garage. He wouldn't even post it within France. He's like, nope, not going to post it. You pick it up, that's the only way you're going to have it. I was like, what am I supposed to do here? So I spoke to all the collectors I knew in France. I said, does anyone know anyone who lives near Saint-Étienne? And uh, one dude said, yeah, I have a friend who lives there. So his friend communicated with the seller. who got this really well-priced, utterly mint loose shockwave, perfect cable, no breakages, electronics worked. And he went to his house and he picked it up. And I was like, this, this is amazing, dude. Thank you so much. And uh, then he packed it up to send it to me nice and secure, and he shipped it off. And then a few days later, he said, mate, um, the box has come back to me. So the good news is I have it. The bad news is it's got like tire marks on it. You know, something has driven over this box and I'm moving it and I can hear like shards of glass or something inside it. <laughs> and so what happened was this had fallen off the delivery van or something or either within the warehouse and a forklift truck had like driven over it. And then the box was just like, oh, here, mate, here, here's the box you were going to send. I don't know if you still want to send it, but uh, bye. And they sent it. I said, you know what, mate, just send it. Just, you know, just do it. I've, you know, I'm not going to ask you to give me the money back or anything. Just send it. And, uh, and I still have like one part of this thing left. Oh, man. The chest. And I, I'm showing the lads now. It's just his chest with the Decepticon sticker. That part of so his bad. abdomen cracked. Heartbreaking. And the thing is, when I got this in hand... It had all the parts, just it looked like it was exploded. You know, like you get these exploded yeah, yeah. museum displays of F1 cars with all the bits. And I laid it out and I took photos. I remember the cable, so well. the cable was perfect. The <laughs> thing that always breaks. The cable, both connections, both sides, utterly perfect. The, um, the battery cover was there, undamaged. <laughs> the legs extended and clicked and held in place. <laughs> but the die cast at the top of them was bent. The die cast was bent. And, and uh, right. yeah, so it was the perfect shockwave. I've never seen a better condition shockwave before it was obliterated. And yeah, so that was that was the story of that. And then what happened was I bought a sealed shockwave, sealed in 1985, um, sealed within the styro. So it never been removed. It didn't have the outer box. And I never knew that G1 shockwave comes with a twisty tie. There's a twisty tie that goes through around the middle of the robot and it's tied at the back of the styro because you just never, you know, unsealed G1 shockwaves. Who does that? And, um, this had the twisty tie. I never knew it existed. Uh, I took it out. Mint as you like shockwave. This was less than two years ago. I think it was a year and a half. First thing that happened, it collapsed on its legs. So it had collapsing leg syndrome out of a sealed box. That's and now the now the poxy cable is degraded. This is a mint sealed shockwave less than two years ago, and it's falling to pieces. Yeah, it's, Sod it's, that toy. It's what we were, it's what we were saying, wasn't it? That. Um, 
all too often with some G1 stuff, you can get just it. Just leave it in a box. You can get it mint in box, and you, you can get it in sealed box even, and yeah. it's still going to be no good. It's just unfortunate, right. but there's no yeah. guarantee of sealed being quality. I, I remember no. at the time of the, the shattered shockwave, for want of a better expression, I remember that um, I think I sent you, because I knew that you wouldn't have seen it, as um, a page or whatever, or a picture of uh, the uh, UK comic storyline, Legacy of Unicron, where um, Shockwave is, is, spoiler alert, killed by Death's Head in the future. And oh, he's, left, he, he's yeah. left in kind yeah. of shattered remains on the floor. Uh, so he's kind of like shot at close range by Death's Head and just kind of like shattered into pieces. And his head is like off and his chest is all shattered in very much the same fashion that your toy was laid out. <laughs> And I remember sending it to you. Maybe that's and, what and, happened to it. And yeah. I, I think I, I was trying Death's to find head some is a forklift truck. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I, I think I was trying to find some like humor in the situation for you or what have you. And I remember your response was just too soon. That was it. <laughs> so <laughs> good. I was like, okay, cool. Message understood. Got it. And I, I never mentioned yeah. it ever again. But uh, I, I get it. It was just that so been. galling that of course, like I found a perfect one. And if I hadn't asked that dude to buy it for me, this amazing specimen of a vintage shockwave and a Milton Bradley one as well would still be perfectly intact, would still um, be as good as it ever was. I had to interfere. And, you know, I should have just though. taken it. Well, you know, it was like this dude wouldn't even ship it. I should have just taken that as a sign as you're not meant to have it. Don't go like pestering three other intermediary people to to help you get this toy it's just just leave it there'll be others nah, if it had, if it had worked out it would have been awesome but yeah. you know some some oaf in a forklift decided otherwise and that's that isn't it so um just, but yeah I'm, like, I'm amazed that the uh, delivery company didn't you know give you some compensation or what have you but i guess that's all <laughs> depends on how it's you know how it shakes down it? yeah i mean sometimes it, the, the lesson here is sometimes loose used that is in good condition is a yeah. better bet than buying a totally unused version if what you want is to just display it. Because if I so much as tap that shockwave in my display now, it collapses on one leg. Mm. So so that was just a perennial issue. It's not an issue to do with wear or use. They were like that out of the box. I remember with, with my shockwave, I remember this is one of the things that we were talking about at the time because the seller didn't want to extend the legs. Mm. Um, and and I, I was like, I ain't buying it until you extend those legs. <laughs> you know, like I'm not, I'm not getting it to discover that it, that the legs don't hold. Um, <laughs> and so it became a bit of a, there was a lot of back and forth and he, he didn't, I don't think he really understood what I wanted. Do you know what I mean? Which was just a photo of it stood in robot mode with the legs extended. And then I remember he eventually said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And he took a picture with the legs extended, but it was lying down and it was like, yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> But no, hang on, we're not getting there. And it was it was so much back and forth. I remember I kept going to you and just like pulling my hair out slightly. Do you know what I mean? Just like we're we're still not there. We're still not got to where we wanted to be. But I was pleased that I held out. And actually, as it turns out, the thing does stand. So it's that's yeah, it was worth it. Um, and I'm really happy with it. But uh, yeah, wow, it's I totally agree with you though that sometimes just getting these things opened from someone that knows what they're talking mm. about and actually can legitimately say this is fine i think that is worth more than than having a bit of tape on a box for sure yeah and just taking a risk on an unused specimen that would have been better off being a preserved item in a in its package yeah and as you say who who wants to be unsealing shockwaves anyway just on the off chance it's not it's not who really would do the, that not really the game is it really so so yeah but no shockwave is is a fun one for sure 
So I feel like we also need to talk about Omega Supreme a little bit, right? Like we need to talk about him at some point tonight because uh, he's just not come up so far. But what a wonderful toy. Mm. I've never owned one. What? So you need to remember uh, that, son. Yeah, get yourself an encore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, an, it's got an amazing presence, honestly. Like I, I, I always thought it looked a bit janky and weird, especially yeah. with the really big G1 legs that it's got on the... It's a toy box toy. It was Mechabot 1 originally. And uh, in really nice red, grey yeah, colour scheme. The, love that original colour scheme. Which most of us may have seen as Grandstand's converters Omegatron in the UK. That's, that's where I saw it. Uh, I think I told the story in an early episode mm. where I saw one at a car boot and yeah. passed on it because I was a snob and then Ooh. ran back to get it two minutes later and someone had already nah, had it away. Damn. Yeah. yeah, Omega in person is fabulous. It's a really Very easy story. to break. Really yeah. easy to break that is mechanism it? on the legs. Oh, I see. Oh, what the, the mechanism. I thought you meant mm. the, the kind of plastic and whatever. But um, yeah, it's it's a funny old one because it's a heavy parts format. I mean, it's a toy that just mm. comes apart into bits and you just reassemble it in another mode. But it's tons of fun. Um, the, the tank bit in the middle is kind of the only real transforming element to it. Um, but I, I really like it. As you said, I think it's got great presence in robot mode. Um, it's tons of fun in the, the kind of shuttle-based mode and all of that. Uh, you know, you can swoosh around the little rocket. You can have the tank going around on the treads and all of that. And yeah, it's just got a lot of play value. It's it's one of those that it'll never scale with anything in terms of G1. Um, although it does look pretty cool with um, world's smallest transformers and things like that. Um, and MicroMasters and stuff, if you kind of like want a, a play set out of it. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely adore that toy. Yeah, it's one definitely on my list. I think it's pretty much the top of my list now as I've gone through all the different things I've always wanted to own, you know, from G1 and haven't, other than the Fort Max, it's that. And Omega's infinitely more affordable. <laughs> so. Well, I'm looking at Omega Supreme, the Titan class figure in your, you know, in the back behind you right now. Oh, yeah. Does, does owning that reduce your desire to own the G1 toy at all? No. Okay. No, not even slightly. They're very different, aren't they? I mean, yeah. not just physically different, it's just... In my head, it's not that same toy. And I've always wanted to own that toy. And it was the first uh, auto assembly I went to, I think it's 2012, and I was only there for a day. It was the only toy I was looking for while I was there, and I, I couldn't find one at the time. I could find bits. Uh, I think it was Paul Store, maybe. It was like Junker parts, but that was it. I can imagine Omega going very quickly at TFNs or auto assemblies, like really fast, if anyone had yeah. a boxed Omega. The, but, the on- well, since the encore, the encore, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the encore is nice. I mean, it's got a different face, um, but actually, mm. I quite like the face. Uh, mine is an encore now. I had I had a vintage original and uh, sold it to a mate of ours, who I think he's very happy with it. And I got the encore, and I'm really happy with that. And um, just depends what you prefer. If you prefer the original kind of visor face or the kind of more uh, slightly cartoony face, I guess you know it's kind of an attempt at a cartoony face, but it's re- it's really cool either way. I like that they went to that effort, though, with the Encore, just to change it slightly from the vintage. Yeah, it's nice. It's a nice nod. Uh, it's a, it's another one that's like a bit a bit like the Takatoku stuff. It's um, You need like a whole day to sticker it up. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of patience. Because uh, there are some stickers that you're just like, what? Where does this go? Yeah. Um, but uh, some of it doesn't even I had even this with really Roadbuster. Matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not as bad as Roadbuster, and it's not as bad as Whirl and... Uh, the deluxe insects oh. and all of that but it's it's That's... yeah it's a thing uh there's just a lot where it's like it doesn't really matter where some of the stickers go 
um you know but so there's not a right way to do those stickers it's just like suggestions and there's no um, there's, there's concrete a couple, yeah basis. there's a couple that are heavily heavily ambiguous i would say as to what the right mm. orientation is i did the thing that i think all three of us do which is spend a lot of time looking at different pictures <laughs> different sources yeah. hours and, yes. and some of them i just had to to you know kind of go with it really because none of the sources would really show you uh what the right thing was you know you're talking box picks you're talking uh, box art you're talking catalog picks you're talking uh you know various kind of sources from the time whatever what other collectors have done none of it really agrees on some of the stickers on that toy but hey ho yeah i just remember the uh the hell of sticker in roadbuster and looking through the the little uh, instruction book and it's showing stickers going over like holes and stuff and like this this cannot physically go here. Yeah, that's the worst. Stickers over holes and stickers over like molded creases and things like that is, yeah. is the bit that I hate when you know that you've got to fold or bend a sticker in some way that it's not supposed to go. Uh, a bit like we were saying over like G1 Primes, um, you know, over his shoulder and things like that. Yeah, oh, that's molded. been really tricky to do with Reissue Magnus as well. Yeah. Or like what about G1 Hound where one of the stickers is basically just supposed to hover in midair, like part of it's actually just <laughs> yeah. not adhered to anything it's like off the side of the door i hate that yeah you've got stickers on top of other stickers on that toy as well oh you get that with constructicons too you do which is a good segue there we go you've just stickered your walmart constructicons haven't you liam i did this week is i finally managed to close that loop and get actually get a set of them and yeah that stickering nightmare that was that as well and thank you so much for your pictures maz they saved the day you saved me so much time I spent hours trying to figure out where they were meant to go. And the, the best source in the end was this like cardboard Diaclone book that someone had scanned. And, and also just the recent Diaclone uh, magazine thing that uh, came out uh, commemorating all the old uh, Diaclone toys, but also talking about the new ones. That had some really nice uh, photos of Diaclone uh, construction toys. And I was like, that's where that's meant to go. So the box art was wrong. The catalogs were wrong. And and it just makes so much sense like when you yeah. see where it's meant to go and then you realize that oh actually some of those stickers are extra like you were just telling me and I was trying to remember and you're right you just have some extra ones on the sheet because there's a rub sign there now instead of where yeah. it was meant to go those photos were a godsend and it was like because before I'd, I'd started having a look and it was like oh no there are so many and it's so vague and yeah. then your photos just saved the day it was and it's like you always find, um, I think it's uh, Bone Crusher. And like one of the stickers is on the canopy roof. And you think, yeah, well, no, it must go there, right? It's always gone there. Every set of Constructicons you ever see, that's where the Decepticon sticker goes. And it's actually not meant to go on there. It's meant to go on one of his arms. Which is like, <laughs> what? <laughs> but yeah, that's where it's meant to go. It's, uh, it's a real funny one. And actually like Blitzwing is another one where the stickers are always in the wrong place. There's these two thin stickers that you always see in tank mode or they're on the side of the turret uh, and you think where's that come from but they actually they're supposed to go on his wrists yes and the only way i ever figured that out was looking at the diaclone paperwork so yeah stickers on 1985 toys man they're a bit all over the place aren't they always a drama they're either super complicated like the the deluxe insecticons or they're falling off like the blooming dinobots uh, Mm. or they're incorrect in the instructions like yeah. you know the ones that you're just talking about or they're like um you know you get things like on the cone heads you know the uh, the kind of nipple uh oh, you know, right. those ones what a nightmare that is and the eyes uh, the eyes. eyes yeah, yeah. The eyes oh, 
I've been meaning to correct this. Do you remember when we did the 1984 episode? I said I had no idea who did my, the stickers on my G1 Transformers. And we figured like, it must have been my mum or my brother. So I asked my mum about this a few days ago. I was like, do you remember? Did, did you ever do the stickers on my Transformers? And she said, no, no, you did them yourself. I was like, I did them. Like as a five or six year old. And, and that I was traumatic? Like, it was just surprising. Like I don't have any recollection of doing them. But then it makes sense because my G1 seekers from childhood, those breast seekers you're talking about, always cocked them up. They're just in such bad oh. shape. It's wrong. It's totally wrong. I, I've stickered up a few seekers in my time, G1 seekers, and I could happily never do another set of those, yeah. those, those boob ones. Honestly, it's just <laughs> no thanks. They're the only reissues I haven't stickered up, those uh, seekers. I just yeah. haven't done them. Yeah. I, I, yeah, no. I got quite good at it in the end, even doing the ones in the little intakes and all of that, hmm. you know, kind of got a little method. And then the feet, you know, the feet are quite hard to do as well. Um, but yeah, so definitely, as you said, 1985, a weird year for stickers, it's fair to say. Hmm. Uh, but that Constructicon set, uh, is it nice, actually, the the Walmart set? Because I, I do have it, actually, but just not. I love it. it. Never opened it. You, you, yeah, yeah you were quite positive, weren't you? Because the Encore one is okay. Oh, I've heard that was, but yeah, I've heard that's it's not, not, not it's great. Not, yeah, it's not. It's not bad, but it's yeah, it's definitely got its faults. Definitely got its faults for sure. Not as good as the uh, vintage toys, uh, or even the the G two. I have the the orange and the yellow G two ones, and they feel better than the Walmart one. That's the only ones I had as a kid. I had the yellow G two ones that don't combine. Mm. So, but it, it's amazing, like how I liked them as a kid. They were fine, but knowing they were supposed to combine was always a real annoyance. Well, they, so they, were, these, they were G1, actually, even. They were they were tail end G1. They were 92 or 93. I can't remember. I need to look it up now. But it's just incredible, like, getting this set for the first time and having had those toys and knowing this toy so well without ever having owned it, how just incredible it was combining it and how important that was to the toys, just how central that is to everything and how different that makes them to those G2 ones I had as a kid. Yeah, that's true. I th- it's it's definitely a set that is remarkable for how it combines. I mean, they're they're fun individually for sure, and mm-hmm. I actually prefer them in their vehicle modes. I think yeah. you know when you see the, the six of them lined up, I love them in vehicle mode. The robot modes I think are cool as well, and I do really like them. But mm, it's the bone vehicle crusher. Modes. Um, yeah, that's that's actually the one I was Hook. thinking of. I was Hook and bone crusher. Yeah, Fantastic. Hook, particularly Hook is bone one of my all time favorite robot modes particularly in the transformers movie whenever i see it it just lights up it's just something really beautiful about that design it is nice but yeah it's the it's of course it's the combined mode that's the draw really there isn't yeah. it? it's just so mm. spectacular what a year though to get all these toys we've been talking about and think of how many toys we haven't mentioned tracks screen tracks and smoke screen yeah man well yeah grapple yeah tracks is a real favorite of mine top Tier Transformers G1 yeah. tracks, and, it, and it's fun to think of Grapple, obviously, because we spoke about him briefly in the 1984 episode because he was in the cartoon, right? In, as as Hauler. Mm. <laughs> so that was 1985 in Transformers. As you can tell, it's a very long topic with a lot of toys, being as it was the year where Hasbro really escalated their product lines. Uh, we're going to cut it short here because otherwise we could be going for hours and hours. Nobody got to hear Maz talk about Smokescreen, so you know we could have been here all night. So if you listen to our previous episode, and if you follow us on Twitter, you may have noticed we've recently launched a Patreon. 
Guys, what can people expect from our Patreon? What, what can they not expect? Honestly, it's very exciting indeed. I mean, it, potentially you might even, if you've already signed up already, uh, be listening to this episode earlier than anybody else in the world, um, or other than other patrons anyway. But uh, yeah, that's really exciting. So you get early access to episodes. You get, um, I think probably the most exciting bit actually is in the top tier. You get uh, little bonus episodes as well, kind of mini mm-hmm. mini episodes or mini-sodes. Um, I mean, we just did one for the last episode, which was Masterpiece. We did um, a whole other segment, uh, which was, I think, about 25 minutes long or so, which was all about, well, it was a specific topic of, of what toys we thought could have been done in old Masterpiece style. And that was a really fun discussion. I loved it, actually. I was listening back to it and uh, really, really good. So, yeah, that you know, loads of bonus content. We do little bloopers and outtakes and that kind of stuff. Um, there's uh, also the ability to vote on what topics you want to see coming up and actually commission uh, mini-sodes as well on the top tier. So, yeah, loads of great stuff. Uh, and you get to support uh, the podcast as well, which, as Maz said at the start, is is really very much appreciated because, uh, you know, as as much as we love doing this, it is a side thing for us. You know, it does take up a lot of time. So it's just kind of important to make sure that, um, you know, that we can keep doing it, really. And, uh, you know, we're really grateful for all the people who've already signed up to the Patreon because, you know, we do want to do more. Uh, the episodes can't be four or five hours long. And there are often topics that we have to leave out of episodes, but we, we want to talk about them. You know, we have opinions on them and we love talking about Transformers anyways, you might have noticed. So being able to offer that through Patreon gives people something more to look forward to. Two weeks between episodes, you know, we have had people telling us that, you know, they're just sitting there waiting for us to do another episode. And that is amazing to hear. And so this way they can get the episodes earlier as well as the extra bonus content. So we do have stuff for people who want more. There is more. And, uh, you know, it, it, you know, we're really happy with the way it's launched and, and the way it looks right now, but there's always the possibility of, ad- of adding more stuff. And obviously, and if, if the Patreon does well and, you know, the sponsorship goes well, we can potentially offer even more cool stuff through that. And that's something we'd really look forward to as well. Yeah, I think there's a, an argument to say that the more people that sign up to the Patreon, the more, eventually, anyway, the more content we'll be able to offer. That's right. Yeah. And we've already had quite a few fun ideas of stuff that we'd like to do as well. So, you know, we've got a lot of ideas. And who knows, maybe this is the way people finally get to hear us talk about Omnibots. I, I thought that earlier. I thought, man, imagine we'll do. We'll it'll end up being a, a whole cut thing that will end up on Patreon. Just us finally talking about uh, Omnibots, the infamous Omnibot chatter that keeps getting. Well, oh, we've just, talked plenty about Omnibots. What it's I was going to say, we'll have to no splice, it, it. splice together <laughs> all of the times it's been cut out of the regular episodes and just like splice that together as exclusive content. <laughs> the six-hour episode, yeah, <laughs> mini-sode, yeah, right. <laughs> Indeed. But yeah, but we're very grateful for all the support we've had and all the people who have signed up so far. And yeah, where can where can they find it? Uh, so it's at uh, Patreon or Patreon, I should say. I keep saying it wrong. Patreon.com forward slash triple takeover. Yeah, and of course, also talking about uh, on a related note about sponsorship. Of course, we were just um, you know talking about tfsource.com before as well. So a little final reminder to do uh, you know do go ahead and check them out as well. Tfsource.com. Uh, and thank you again to them for sponsoring the podcast. So that's going to do it for today's episode. But if you want to keep the conversation going, remember you can always interact with us on social media, where we are at triple underscore takeover on Twitter and Instagram, and triple takeover all one word on Facebook. And if you want to follow us directly, 
Maz, where can people find you? I'm TF Square One on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm at 6OTF on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And I'm at Toybox Soapbox on all of those same things except for YouTube. But remember, it might be goodbye, but on Eternia they don't say goodbye, they say good journey. I am not being the fat controller for you. I'm just telling you that right now.